That's going to be Jordan. That's going to be happy. Bucks and Brews, back with you again. Mike's in studio today. Um, it's the baseball special. We're starting it a little early because we are excited about baseball and we wanted to talk about our sponsor for today. Um, some people might join us while we're uh, on here and, you know, feel free if you want to call in, you can call in. Our, our first one. Oh, right now. The professor's here. The, the professor is here. Hi, professor. He's hey, still connecting to audio. Professor, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Doing very, very well. I mean, Good. we've had Mike join us, but this is our like first time ever having a returning guest of somebody we've done full interview for. So I think we'll be top shelf at this point. Yeah. Well, you know, you didn't uh, scare me off too bad. And hey, I got to let you know, I've got a couple uh, new techno, techno gadgets I'm trying out. So if the audio or the, uh, well, I'll let you know if the sound peters out. I've got these things stuck in my ears like some goddamn cyborg. Um, ah! but, if you uh, lost, we'll let you know so that way uh, we can tone it down a bit just because we don't want to get put to shame. And I've got an old school microphone too that I'm trying to use too. So we, we, we have a, a new school microphone. Yeah, well, this is one I bought like 20 years ago and I modified it to get it to work with the computer. So, hey, it looks like it's working. The only thing they're missing right now is a boom mic operator and just his underwear. Seriously, in pink underwear. <laughs> pink underwear. <laughs> so I want to give a shout out to our sponsor this week, Aylbird. Ah, uh, huge shout out. Has sponsored us with their CPBP and other stouts for uplifting beerologists. So shout out to them in, in my Bucks and Brews mug. Of course. Um, very happy about that. Oh, that's I'm, really good. I, I'm wearing my baseball hat because it's baseball day, so I went with the Kansas City Monarchs. Uh, of course, I went with my Detroit Tigers because uh, that's my team through and through. I've got my uh, Louisville Slugger bat that I bought at the Louisville Slugger factory a few years ago. That's my nice. There you go. I don't have the baseball hat, but I've got the Abbott and Costello, who's on first. Oh, there. yeah, that's, that's a yeah. good one. I'm honestly quite excited about my shirt, too. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. And uh, an old baseball film aficionado definitely understands the humor behind that. Yes, they do. So yeah. I got a full agenda. I know Nick's going to have to join some of this from the car, which is a bummer. But, you know, okay. let's uh, let's jump right in because we're Bucks and Bruce. Oh, that's back. It seems like we're talking about shirts. So... And we we kind of got to talk financials first. So some ways to save money at the at games, and then I, I want to hit one of one of the more controversial aspects of, of baseball and salaries. Yeah. So ways to save money at a game. So I know for me, big Cubs fan, love going to Wrigley Field, and they instituted this well after Mike and I stopped going. You know, regularly. Regularly. You can now bring in food and drink to Wrigley Field. You could always bring like water bottles that were sealed. Sure. But now you can bring in any food or drink as long as it's not alcohol to Wrigley Field as long as it's, you know, not open. That's a that's huge thing. So that's I, really cool. Yeah, we used to hit Subway and get a, a full size sub and you know, we'd take that to Wrigley and we'd grab some, you know, pop outside or water or whatever. And we didn't have to buy ballpark food if we didn't want to spend the money. Huh. I didn't know that because I, I just assume everybody that sells concessions doesn't allow you. So, well, I mean, you could always bring in stuff like peanuts. You could buy peanuts outside and bring that in. Yeah. 
but it, it was never, you know, you couldn't like go to Subway and bring a full foot long. Yeah. And once they started allowing that, I mean, you guys know as well as I do, it's it's so much cheaper oh, to yeah. outside the ballpark when you're paying 450 for a hot dog. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'd bring That's great. Back Thank then, you. I'd bring peanuts to the game because I'd stop at the dollar store, grab a bag of peanuts. Yeah. And it would be the same bag that they were selling at the thing because had the Tigers logo on it. And yeah. I was like, all right, I just paid a dollar versus paying five bucks for a bag of peanuts. Absolutely. Yeah, another great way, and I mean, it's just me as kind of a baseball fan to save money, is go to like your minor league games, you know, especially if, you know, somebody from like, if you're lucky enough to have a team that you really enjoy and somebody's injured and, you know, they're going to be, you know, working their way back up to the minors yep. to come back, you know, and you'll see people who might be on that team. Oh, yeah. Three, four years from now. I love watching. Yeah. Let's play. I, I I live in Lansing and um you know so we have the lug nuts here in town. I go watch them at least one I watch them every year and sometimes more more than once. I mean it's not far. We have work outings. We'll go out there, the folks in my part of the college and and uh it's just great. It um last year sucked because they didn't play a single game because of the yeah. you know stupid pandemic and but uh it's you know it's cheap. And then when, when they give you tickets, uh, at work, well, you can't beat that price. And, uh, it's great. I mean, it's absolutely great time. And it's, uh, you know, it's baseball minus the, the, uh, some of the BS that comes with, uh, going to a major league game. I mean, I love going to Comerica park, but it's, uh, you know, you got to prepare for it. You get, you go through the whole, you know, ridiculous security to get into the stadium. And then you walk around and, uh, uh, speakers in the outfield are blasting something that would make a rock concert sound quiet. And it's just like, man, let's get to the baseball game. But speaking of cheap things uh, and way to save money at a baseball game, sometimes going to teams that aren't so good, like the Tigers. Yep. I remember going to a game there on, uh, it was Labor Day. This is a while ago, maybe 15, 16 years ago. And, uh, you know, they had already lost <laughs> 80 some games by Labor Day. So we figured the tickets wouldn't be sold out. No need to buy them ahead of time. And uh, parked right across Woodward Avenue in a little parking lot, and it was still cheap uh, to get into the stadium. And, and you, you know, you walk up and they're like, well, we got some general admission tickets for $5 and we're discounting them today to $4. Perfect. <laughs> All right. $4 to go to a professional sporting event. You can't beat that. And of course, you, you know, you knew the stadium wasn't going to be but half full. And so after the fifth inning, you know, you walk down to the box seats behind third base because nobody's sitting there. So, yeah, well, you know, when, way to watch the game. <laughs> one of the things I did when I wanted to go see the Cubs cheaper. Yep. I drove to Milwaukee. Oh, I go see them at Wrigley North or yeah. Miller Park. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, do, we do the same because, uh, you know, Chicago's not far from where we are, right? It's right. three, uh, not even three hours. It's like two and a half, two and a half hours. And so, um, you know, we, we went to a White Sox, right? And it's White Sox versus Tigers. And you're, I got so surprised because, you know, you just hear all the, the stuff about White Sox and how the fans are just horrible and stuff like that. And we get there and I mean, I'm a big dude. I'm hanging out with like two other big dudes, right? And we're Tiger. We're all dressed Tiger, right? We got our jerseys on and stuff. And White Sox guy like looks at us and we're like, we're thinking interaction first thing, baby. Here we go. Where are you guys from? Grand Rapids. All right. Hey, it's a beautiful park. Hope you guys enjoy yourself. And I was like, 
Like, I just like want to have a comeback. And I'm like, thanks. Thanks so much. You know, I was like, but yeah. t- tickets to get in. Right. I think, I mean, we got, I don't know, great. Like first, first base side for our first game, like first base side, just shy of home plate type thing. Um, and I want to say we, we bought them on uh, one of the ticket sites or whatever for 10 bucks. You know, it was just amazing. Like for the price where, when I bought my same tickets over in Comerica, I was paying like 50 bucks for the seat. Yeah. So to go to, to go to those teams that aren't, that's great. aren't doing great. Right. I mean, that's a big thing. I love to go see a new yeah, stadium. The Sox so. were not good that year. Yeah. Cause I yeah. remember you going. Yeah. They'll, they'll be a little bit more expensive this coming year, but you know, speaking of Chicago and try to do it for cheap. So the, the one and only, but it was a good one. Um, Cubs game that I went to at Wrigley field, you know, um, my brother and I took train over there. And you take the train from Lansing to Chicago. It doesn't take any longer than driving. You save all the money on the parking BS. You save the, you know, stress of driving through there. And and then, uh, you know, we stayed close enough to, um, I was going to be there for the weekend anyways, actually visiting friends from Germany that were in town and took them to the Cubs game, which is a really neat experience. But, you know, we purposely found a place to stay that was way on the north end of town. So it was cheap. I mean, it was cheaper than a hotel room here in Lansing. And then it was like a 10 minute walk to one of the uh, stops on the same L line that took you right to Wrigley Field. So your story, Nick, made me think of this. We're sitting on the train to go to the field and they were playing the Pirates that day and they got their asses kicked. This was quite a few years ago when they weren't so good. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, you know, when the pitcher hits a home run in the seventh inning. uh, (laughs) Game's kind of over. Yeah, game's kind of over. So, um but anyways, we're sitting on the, you know, the train car to go there and there was a bunch of Pirates fans and uh, my brother and I were kind of laughing, you know, we had our Cubs hats on, but um, thinking, eh, these guys look pretty friendly and there's some little kids here. So eh, I don't think there's going to be fisticuffs breaking out. And there wasn't, it was all good, good spirits. Yeah. Um, you know, it's saying, I, I know we talk about like, but I think, you know, there's websites out there. Um, I don't even know them, but you know, you can search websites to get tickets. Like, yeah. because what I found and like, that's how I went to a lot of games when I was younger, I had a friend that had season tickets and he, you know, he honestly, he'd sell them all to his people. They knew yeah. the dates they took. And then he had all these leftover ones. He's like, I'm not going to any of these. And so, yeah, okay. I'd have to go during the week or there's a chance I got like a weekend type thing. Yeah. And it was, you know, so I, I bought from I bought direct from that person, or he, he just gave them to me for free because he wasn't going to use them. Right. And then now they have these things where you can just go post your extra tickets that you're not going to use, post them online, and then you know people you, you can get you know people competing prices at this point. Like, hey, I just want to sell my tickets because I want something out of it. So, um, what's the what's the big uh, ticket stub hub? Yeah, right. And that's great because it you know it gives you hey I want to sit in a high end these seats or I want to pick back here and it can go rows. I mean, right. And, and really it's whatever the person wants for the seat. So, cause I remember, you know, let's say I can go to Z right. And out in the outfield and I get like $20 tickets and then somebody would have A's right on the front for, you know, five bucks just cause they were like, Hey, I'm not going to use a ticket. And so we'd get deals like that. I, I went to a Cubs game in 14 and got my tickets off StubHub. Yeah. They were God awful. Yeah. So I got like $85 seats for like 18 bucks each. Sure. Because I think that was the year I went there. Was yeah. 14. People couldn't so give them they away. Were bad. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, Hey, it's Wrigley field. It's August. 
I want to go to a Cubs game. I don't care if they're good or bad. And honestly, they ended up beating the Dodgers that day. Yeah. I remember Chris Coughlin hit a three-run home run. I was, yeah. you know, I had a great day at the ballpark. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, yeah. and, and depending on what, I guess you, you know, we talk about the money aspect of things. So I, I'm a big fan of BOGO, right? So yeah. like, I remember the first Cubs game I went to, we planned it for a doubleheader, right? Oh because, yeah. Because two, two prices or, you know, two games for the price of one. And, I'll watch that, you know, so that way I get a full day of baseball. And sure, you know, I'm going to spend a little bit more on food probably because I didn't know that we could bring our own in. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'll, I'll do that. Like even with we go back to like the Whitecaps where, you know, Whitecaps is uh, Detroit's affiliate. Actually, we just moved up to uh, single A, which is great. You know, high A. High A. High yeah, a. Yeah, low a. yeah. And then so right, the, we, the we flipped with, nuts uh, did the same thing here. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. We, flipped, we flipped with Florida. So now. Um, which, you know, say my only experience down in Florida. So I've been to every affiliate of the Tigers. Um, that was one of the big goals on my list. And so I'm down in Florida. It's the middle of summer. And uh, I'm the person that gets there an hour early, yep. right? I, I want to yeah. take in the park. I want to take in everything. Yep. And these people are like, and I run up to the thing. And I was like, what's the chances you have right behind home plate, like sitting here? And the lady goes, let me see. And she's like, oh, yeah, you can get these tickets. And um, an hour before that, there's nobody in line, right? And so gates open up and I'm like, where the heck's this rush of people? It was bring your dog to the, bring your dog to the stadium game. And, was this uh, at Joker Marchant? Yeah. 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 Lakeland. That's a cool and, place. I've been there a couple of so, times. But it's, you know, this is middle of July, 100 and something degrees. Oh yeah. Down there. Me, <laughs> me and my wife who's eight months pregnant. Oh, and there's three other people. So there's five people. So there was more employees at the time. Which, you know, one concession stand was open. You know, the only fun thing about it was, again, my wife being pregnant, I made her go get all the beers. Well, that so she could be in the shade. Mm -hmm. But we ended up moving our seats from where I wanted to sit. It was so hot. Moved into the shade. Like, you just move anywhere. And that's another, like, thing that I do. I mean, a lot of pro stadiums won't let you. But if you're not a nuisance, I mean, when we went to the Cubs game, we bought crap seats in the middle and then all of a sudden, you know, we, we watch and we're like, all right, nobody's been in this row. Nobody's there. So we went right yeah. home plate, upper deck, and uh, sit right there in front row and just watch the entire game for free. So we self-traded our ticket. Our self you know, our the, yeah, the thing is, is like I – so when we went to the Cubs, it was – I think it was 2014 now that I remember right. Um, they were they were awful that year. We went there in September. So, again, like the Tigers – you know, when I went through that Labor Day game, I was telling you about, they had probably already lost 80 games by then. Um, and I bought the tickets probably two months ahead of time. I actually bought them right from the Cubs website, but I wanted them because I'm nerdy this way. I wanted them mailed to my house, yes. an actual ticket with the Addison Street address on the envelope. Right. So, so I, uh, so I ordered them that way and they came, but it was, they were cheap. I think I paid, uh, Eighteen dollars yeah. for them. They were upper deck behind home plate. Um, you know, I mean, you could see the whole field. It was fine, and it actually turned out to be a pretty warm day, even for September. So it was nice to be in the shade. Yeah, I, I'm I'm old school like that too. Like I want my physical stub of my ticket. And yeah, I do too. I, I, I really miss them. Yeah. So the yeah. first the first time I dealt with it, I we we went to opening day or opening weekend down in uh, Cleveland, and um, you yeah, know we. We didn't have tickets, not going to find them. So, you know, we're going to find a scalper to, because, you know, when, when the, when they don't sell them at the stadium, they allow them to kind yeah. of just get rid of them. Yep. We're like, Hey, um, 
So we we get what is row G. I remember this. And uh, we're like, ah, that's not bad. I like, I'd like closer. And uh, we, we'd like to have that. And all of a sudden, on top of my thing, it says I have, you know, $10 food credit, right, with the purchase of a ticket. And we paid the guy 25 bucks each for these tickets. Yep. Well, you know, come to find out. So with that $10, we really got to spend $10 in food because this is my first time dealing with like a printout paper type thing. And I'm like, this seems sketch, but I had an extra 50 bucks if I blew it, whatever. <laughs> you know, like the discount I was going to get was fine. Um, and then so ended up, if, if you go down to there, G is actually the third row up. So it doesn't start with A. So, and then the guy that was sitting in front of us, the guy that was sitting in front of us, he was a Tigers fan. He, uh, the, the company he was contractor for, uh, gave him tickets or whatever. So he ended up giving them to a scalper to sell. And uh, so he sold them to them and he goes, oh, I'm so glad that you guys bought them. I, you know, never really come around Tigers fans and stuff like that. And uh, so, yeah, I'm two, three rows up get a beautiful view this guy like what a great game and i had you know so I, I paid 15 bucks for my ticket and ten dollars in free food well you know i think one of the things that's changed over the year with baseball is upper deck seats used to be terrible yeah and they really offer great views like i refused to sit in the upper deck in wrigley field because i knew how bad it was at tiger stadium yeah so i'm like yeah i don't want to sit up there and then we did a tour of wrigley field in 2013 and they took us up to the upper deck, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is a gorgeous view, and these tickets are cheap. I'd sit up here anytime. Yeah. Um, you know, so when, when, it, when, we, when we talk about saving money at things, I guess if you're, if you're a person that wants collectibles or gifts or free, yep. you know, one of the biggest things I'll tell you um, and how to get a free souvenir, right? Like, you're, you don't want to spend money at the place. You don't want to buy the stuff. Grant, I, buy a, I usually buy a game-use follow, uh, follow ball um you know something like that from from every stadium i go to and i buy a, a logo baseball right so every all the stadiums i've been to i have a, I have a logo for it um but every park that i've been to you can go to customer service area or there's a designated first time mm -hmm. hey first time to the park and they'll give you you know a, a cardboard you know you know paper stock type thing it's like real real hardcore They'll, you know, it's got welcome. Hey, enjoy your first game. Like when I went to uh, the Cubs, right? I got a, I got a, a bag. I got the, the paper, a um, couple other things. And usually in there, they'll give you coupons and stuff like that. So, you know, you, every place you go to, they will usually give you a, you know, a paper stock of something, a welcome gift and all that. Hey, remember your first game. They date it. They do all that. And I think that's really awesome. So, um, you know, if you have kids and you're bringing up like a whole family, Everybody can get one, and, and it's something you have just like with the the ticket stub, right? It's something you have for memory, and you know I just I place mine all with my my other baseball stuff I've displayed in my basement, and um, it, it's really awesome for me. Well, so we're gonna get to the other money aspect here. Yeah, salaries. Oh yeah. So this kind of bothers me because I've I've always been the type of I get pissed off when my favorite players are leaving because they want $300 million. Chris Bryant's a great example. So Chris Bryant's going to want a $300 million contract. He's going to end up leaving the Cubs. Yeah. I'm pissed at Chris Bryant. And I started thinking of this this morning. Why am I so angry at Chris Bryant? The Ricketts have billions of dollars. Yep. The Cubs are worth billions of dollars. They won the World Series five years ago. And all they're doing is running around crying poor. 
they've bought everything around Wrigley Field. Yeah. So they could, you know, put up a hotel and have this big, you know, fan engagement area. And they're running around crying poor. Pay the man the three hundred million. I don't care. It's not my money. I mean, you know, it's my money to pay for the stadium, right? Because they give tax dollars towards those things yeah, to bring people. We're paying in. for it anyway. Yes. Yeah. say, you know, so when it comes to you know, and everybody, oh, no player should get that amount of money. Like when it comes to it, like I don't care, right? I really like. I you know, I was so happy. I was so happy when you know Illich was. You know, he took the team back, did all that, and like he spent all that money, crap tons, right? And we, we go get swept in the World Series, you know, <laughs> say. Um, but I, I don't care, right? I'll, I'll pay for, I'll pay for it, right? Like yeah. the Yankees did it for the longest time, right? I mean, they, they had such big names, so much money, and oh well, it's a bought team, and you know, cool. You get the other teams where it's like you know they're sat, they have the lowest salary in the entire thing, and then they, they go out and win, but. Really, it's not our money. And who, what, what do I care how much another person makes? Because we talk about it financially. It's personal finances. Yeah. Like, I, what you make has nothing to do with me. Oh, he's not worth it. I, I didn't ask what he, you know, if, if he's not worth it, don't pay the check. Oh, guess what? We don't pay the check. Right. So, like, the hard um, part I have with these huge contracts, and it's really the only problem I have, because I kind of agree with you. If they're wanting it and somebody's willing to pay it. Yeah. Make it like a hundred million dollars and make it for a third of the time oh. because you're paying for these guys and they're only going to be good for about the next five years anyway, but you're paying for them for the next 15. Well, and I, I think that's what part of the problem is. So because of service time, you basically are, and baseball is archaic in this way. You're basically locking a player up to a, a lower salary for the best years of their life. By the time they hit free agency, they're 29 years old. Yeah, They're in the middle of their prime. They're going to be really good for the next two, three years. So you have to pay four or five years of subpar just to get those two or three years of great. Yeah. Well, you look, I mean, you look at the big man, Miguel Cabrera, right? I mean, he wins triple crown. He's worth every dime. And then all of a sudden, so he earned his pay, let's mm-hmm. say, and then he just sucked, right? He gets his big old payday, and you know, I mean, now he's like the agent, and it's just, you know, is he worth that money? No, but man, would I have paid him that money when he was doing it? Heck yes, right? Because dude, if you're gonna give me a triple crown, that mm-hmm. come on, nobody hits this. This is no. this is a thing. Like, so sure. We underpaid him at that point, and people don't realize that. Oh, man, give him whatever he wants. Okay, during that year, sure, nobody's just going to go, here's your bonus. Your bonus comes when you sign that big-ass contract, yeah. right? I mean, and we watch it with so many players. Oh, you know, and we we all we see it so much. Hey, yeah, you have two, you're probably getting two years out of these guys that are going to be great. I mean, um, or you're going to get hit for, uh, <laughs> you know, some some drug tests and stuff like that. that these or guys they, Yeah, or they end up doing what? You know, the Tigers did to unload some of their contracts. The team eats part of it, and then they get somebody to take the rest. I mean, that's how they got rid of Verlander. That's how they got rid of Fielder uh, Mm -hmm. a few years ago. So, Nick, you're a – it's a baseball show, but we're talking about salaries, and you're a a bit of a fan of of European soccer leagues. So I always always find it interesting to compare how baseball salaries are structured and how the contracts work and how free agency works compared to, say, take – most of the top European soccer leagues. So um, the comparison would be, first of all, the players over there, there's a huge, huge gap in, in salary. I mean, they don't have a league minimum like yep. we do 
with baseball um, in the major leagues. They have something similar, but it's it's not even close to the the comparable. So you'll you'll take a team that will have say a guy that's been playing in their um, under 21 squad and maybe they'll throw him up for a couple games uh, to fill in for an injured spot. And so he makes, you know, a hundred thousand dollars a year or the equivalent thereof. And then uh, you got a guy on a field that's making $40 million a year. Yeah. So part of the reason why the salaries are so big over there, and this is what made me think of it compared to baseball is essentially their players are always free agents. They get signed for contracts but the contract can be bought out. And so, and this is a real interesting thing about it. You talk about money being thrown around. So what Miguel Cabrera signed, what was it, an eight year contract with the Tigers and he's making about $22 million a year, something like that. Yeah. And yep, unfortunately now you've got a $22 million a year guy that's gonna hit 290 and you know maybe 12 home runs, hopefully if he can stay healthy. Yeah. But yeah, you got a triple crown out of him and, and you know, it wasn't his fault the Tigers didn't win the World Series. So, but the so let's say Cabrera signed a two or three year contract. They had him paid forty million dollars a year, and then the second year into that contract says, or maybe it was a four year contract. But while he's still under contract, he's, his agent calls him up and says, "Hey, guess what? The New York Yankees will pay you forty two million dollars a year if you'll go there. Here's what we'll do." will convince the Yankees that you're so good, they'll buy your contract out. So however much money the Tigers still owe you on that contract, okay, if it's $40 million a year contract and he's got two years left on it, you know, they'll wheel and deal a little bit. They'll say, well, the Yankees will pay maybe 70 or 60 million of that outstanding 80 million to the Tigers. And then Cabrera gets his $42 million on top of that, it's an absolute astronomical amount of money that slushes around, and it's partially because of some of the richest people in the world oh, yeah. own these own these teams. And so they're almost always free agents, even though they can be under contract. If there's a if there is an owner out there willing enough to spend money on it, they'll take them. And you know, baseball, it doesn't have a salary cap, but it has a salary cap, right? With the luxury tax. Yeah. They tax it as, you know, sort of a blanket number. I think what well, last year it was, I don't know, 170 million, but last year didn't really mean anything. So let's say 2019, I think it was at 170 or 175 million of the team payroll, but they get to count certain things, um, have to count towards it, but then other guys that are on contract and count against it. So there's a little bit of a formula, but that's basically what it is. And, you know, the idea was, well, you know, this is the happy medium that we can get peace with the players union and the owners can sort of have an excuse to, to not completely blow out the paycheck uh, if they really want to get a guy, you know, looking at a team like the Yankees. But I, I have a feeling, <laughs> I have a feeling having been a fan of baseball my whole life and, and uh, lived through a couple of work stoppages that this is going to be an issue big time when it comes to the next labor negotiations. And here's why, because if you remember the off season from 2018 to 2019, there was a lot of talk amongst the players about all oh, these huge free agents that just sat there and sat there and sat there and sat there. And they weren't signed until the second week of spring training, the third week of spring training. And the players brought out the big C word. Collusion. Collusion. 
You got it. They said, oh, the owners are colluding. How dare they? How dare they collude to not sign so-and-so for a, you know, $28 million contract for 10 years when he's only going to be healthy for four of them. And that has always been kind of, well, the players think anyways, that they've got this, um, you know, wild card to play that they can accuse the owners of colluding and, and that will, uh, will get them to uh, have some type of illegal footing if the labor dispute got really bad, but it's, I don't know. I baseball would be wise to play nice, both the billionaire owners and the millionaire players, because we know what happened last year when they didn't. And they tried to use the pandemic restrictions as an excuse to sort of fight it out ahead of time. And I think both the players and the owners misjudged um, just how serious the other side was about fighting. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, how frustrated the players or the uh, fans are going to get. So at the, end of the day, at the end of the day, the fans are the important thing. Because if we're not there and we're not buying the tickets, they're not making any money. That's right. And unlike the NFL, where I don't think the owners give two craps about the fans in the stands mm-hmm. because they completely alter the game entirely for television. And it's almost yep. unwatchable now because of it. Baseball, you have 81 times a year, at least if you're good, you get even more that you've got the opportunity to put 30, 40,000 people in the stadium. And even if you average a ticket price at, you know, something lower than it actually is for a lot of teams, 20, 25 bucks, you get the concessions that people spend when they get into there, you know, the Illiches own everything that you spend money on around Comerica Park. They own the parking lots. They get a hand in the concessions there in the stadium, especially when you buy Little Caesars pizza, well, right? Say when you Caesar, yeah, when All you that good stuff. Boy. So, I mean, they're, look, they are, they are truly hurt when the fans don't show up. The Lions, I mean, I don't think they care one bit. The team's terrible. People still go waste money and watch the team. Discussion for another day. We'll do a football show. But baseball is completely different. So, well, yeah, yeah. I, I think part of that is what you hit there, David. It's the fact that you get 81 games at home every year. You know, for football, you get eight. Yeah. You, you look forward to that because, you know, you don't get to watch it very often. So you're excited. Hey, you know. There's a big game on Sunday. I'm excited. Whereas with baseball, you're like, all right, I got a game tonight. All right, I got a game tonight. All right, I got a game tomorrow afternoon. You know, you have to, if, if your team's not winning, you have to find a way to stay engaged and actually care. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of done with the financial talk. I want to get into the fun stuff. How about you guys? Well, I say, I think, yes. you know, <laughs> I think with the financial, real quick, um, you know, we, I, I just, the only thing I want to talk about is the massive, the massive amount of, of money that's coming into these players. Okay. Mm-hmm. Real quick. I want to talk about how, you know, again, we don't control their money. And so we see how many of these guys make millions of dollars and they end up broke. Right. Yep. I mean, and you also have to remember that, you know, being a real estate guy, right. We look at, we look at Matthew Stafford. I know it's football, but you know, he just got traded, you know, so when we look at baseball, I mean, these guys get traded. So they buy these luxury houses, right? I mean, uh, one of one of my favorite guys in real estate bought a baseball player's house down in Florida. It was custom built, all this and that. I mean, I think he paid, let's say, 50 million. And the guy that I love in real estate paid like 30, right? So, I mean, he, he, this guy takes $20 million loss and he's traded within time. Yeah, sure, he's making it, but, you know, I think I think there's not enough investment talk going through these guys because and, and I don't blame 
you know, it's, it's weird because I don't blame players in the aspect because when you're a professional athlete in what you do, um, you've devoted your life to that, right? Like you're the person who wakes up every single day and you go take ground balls. I don't care. I don't care if you're a catcher, right? You're behind the plate every day, you know, throwing down to second, throwing down, right? Like pitchers, they, they work on it. Like every position. Oh, that was like one of my favorite uh, things. It talked about average price or average salary per position. And, you know, right field for us is where you put the kid that's not the best player. Yeah. And they had the second highest salary. If you look at it, right. Right field is the second highest salary average for a player in the major leagues. Well, and when you look at major leaguers, you know why that is? Yeah. They have the hardest throw on the field. Yeah. Because you have to be able to throw to third base. You have to be able to throw home. That's the farthest throw on the field. Yep. Let's say, yeah, I, you know, I mean, and who doesn't, who doesn't absolutely love, right? Uh, oh, we got rid of him. Uh, Johannes Cespedes, right? Yep. We didn't have him when he made the throw, but there's not a, I watched that video a million times. Johannes Cespedes takes that ball, chucks it from, chucks it all the way, just strike right to the home plate. And I was like, you gotta be shitting. Yep. Like, you know, those are the things, but we, we talk about the arms. You have to have all this. But so these guys are devoting everything to it. So yeah, if they're not learning other things along the way, I think that's where, where, yeah, okay. You have, you have a, a person going to fight for your salary, but I really think that baseball players and things need to get set up with financial advisors mm-hmm. right away. They need to, you know, if, if, if they listen, that's on them. If they, you know, if they, if they listen, it's on them. If they don't, that's on them as well. But I think that the opportunities need to be there a heck of a lot more. I, I would agree. Um, I think that's any pro sport. It yeah. Because the money runs out eventually. And I think the well, thing that at least I don't see that you see, well, at least with football and basketball, is you don't see a lot of baseball players who are the faces of. Well, back you know, in the, not anymore. No, back, back, no, in yeah, the, back, back in the day, what they, they, they put, uh, you know, Ken Griffey Jr., yeah. uh, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, all in those uh, those candy bars, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who didn't want to buy those, you know? Yeah. Um, but you're not seeing a lot of things with these guys on them. Too yeah, much they don't they don't get quite the endorsements in baseball they used to. But you know, Mike, you bring up a good point in terms of the all the sports and and you know, I I don't know what you would call it, sort of financial planning lessons or yeah. something or financial responsibility. I mean, yeah, you get a guy like Cabrera that's theoretically you think geez you know eat your salary 22 million dollars a year i mean even this historian can do that math in his head and think yeah i think i could live off that for a while yeah right but you know you look at his his divorce payout that he had and how much money Mm. he had to spend on that and then he said i don't have it and maybe he didn't but look at the um you know the average major league baseball player isn't going to be making that kind of money Right. And let's say a guy pay plays five years of the league minimum. Okay. So that, you know, you think, well, geez, that's, you know, a guy made $1.25 million. That's, that's pretty good money. But, you know, if you make a million and a quarter between say 20, 25 years old or 25 and 30 years old, you're making 18 grand before that a year at best in the minor leagues and probably half that. And if the only thing you've ever done in your life is play baseball, you better have been good with your money because when you quit playing baseball, it's going to be kind of hard to find a job that pays really anything unless you did actually pay attention when you were in college, assuming you went and played college ball. And a lot of baseball players do. Um, but, you know, it, it, I mean, 
we think of earnings as being a sort of lifelong thing. I mean, I started working when I was 16 and plan on working well into my 60s. And and that's pretty good run of, of income earning. But if I only could earn what I'm really good at for five or six or seven years, man, I better make the most of it. And that's, you know, that's exactly it. And, you know, because that, that the contracts are the end of it. Like, yeah. It's a salary, right? Like, hey, you can pay this amount for one full year and then and then that, that's what you've got. You know, if you go out and get hurt, you go, you know, I mean, sure, but they're going to pay you till the end of that, that salary, um, or, you know, the end of your contract, but that's about it. But like, you know, big poppy, right? Yeah. I absolutely, one, one fantastic player, great guy, his money, let's say 50% of his money stayed here, the other 50% went home, yeah. right? And, yeah. and, you know, he's there and he's funding so much stuff. And then, you know, he uh, he got pissed off because he get, you know somebody put a hit on him for what was it nine thousand yeah, dollars or something like eight thousand bucks. And dudes, <laughs> and dudes like I just need the money. Like when you go to that poor country, but like you look at how many of these players are sending their money back home, right? Because I mean we do have a lot of players from out of you know out of the country. The majority and, of them are from Latin America. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, it's Venezuela, which is like the perfect example yeah. of the biggest South. economic disaster. <laughs> you know. Yeah, Clemente was a great example. Yeah, because yeah. he was always giving yeah. back, and then you know, died in his prime. Yep, that's and that's it. Give back, right? Yes, exactly. That's what what he was doing when the plane crashed. So, was... and, and he would have been one of the greatest ball players ever. Yep, yep. You know, and so, um, you know, when we look at when we look at like the elites though in every sport, I I don't know that I don't know. There's a face of baseball, right? But like I can we can all just yeah, we can all yeah. agree that the face of golf, Tiger Woods. I mean, the guy's made video games. He's done everything. But like, you know, when you when you look at MLB 2K, right? It's a new player every year, so there's no face. So you know, just like in the NFL, uh, there's no real. Sure, we all know Tom Brady and stuff like that. But like, he's not the poster child. I mean, technically, everybody hated it. But I think it, it becomes harder. I'm mean, like, it's easier a little bit to say like you have a face of basketball or you have a face of hockey because even though there are different positions, yeah. If you really excel at one position you're kind of that face. So like Jordan in the, in his prime was the face of basketball. But I mean, still is like but, that legacy is going to yeah. go. I mean, but like you said, there's so many different positions. Yeah. As a quarterback, Tom Brady's probably the face of the quarterback now, probably for the next foreseeable future. Well, unless, you know, unless uh, Mahomes does yeah, Mahomes, right, and, championship. Because like people, I mean, honestly, like the, the amount of people who are like so much Mahomes and I'm just like, he didn't even touch Tom Brady. You could see it coming out of him, and you want it. But well, um, Mike and I talk about it all the time. Okay, if you have to make a decision as a Cubs fan, who do you want to keep? Do you want to keep Bryant or you want to keep Baez? I think Bryant's ceiling is probably higher than Javi Baez. Yep. But if I'm paying my money to see somebody play baseball, I'm paying my money to see Javi Baez. There's no more exciting player in the game. Yeah. The things he does. I, I watched the tag in spring training the other day. He didn't even lift the ball into the glove. He just grabbed it. Oh. Slap the tag and you couldn't even see it. It was so quick. <laughs> Fantastic. Or or the error that he turned into a great play. Right. He made an error and still got the, got the out. Yeah. Say, you know, um uh I just shared it on Facebook. Uh um who's the catcher? Uh, the, so a catcher sitting there, and the, you know, you got a new rookie sitting over here on first. Oh, yeah, it was Yadi Molina. Yeah, Yadi Air. <laughs> and I'm laughing about this. Yeah, he he, he points to yeah. us and says, Go. He says, Let's see what you got, kid. And and he throws him back real quick, right? Throws him back to first, and he's like, "All right, got him on his toes." 
and he takes off, and Molina literally, like, from his knees, just wham, beats this dude by like three steps, and he just walks off, doesn't yeah. look at him. And I was like, yeah, I was like, dude, when you're at a professional level, when you're the greatest players, like, yeah, th- these that's people, these people are that, the greatest at yeah. what they do, and that is the fun thing. It sounds weird but that's actually one of the things that's really really fun about going to a spring training game is you have on the field the guys like Miguel Cabrera and then you've got the guys that you know learned after you got thrown out by Molina (laughs) why they're not right (laughs) and and it's like you can see right there by that contrast okay okay here's the minor leaguers this is why this guy is going to be playing in Grand Rapids or Lansing this summer yep and then you know this is why this dude's going to be sitting behind home plate for the Cardinals and and yeah. making you know 15 million dollars i mean it's 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 right there it's, it yeah. makes you really appreciate the skill of the game well i think one of the great things they've been doing in spring training is they're micing up players yeah yeah so you can listen to anthony rizzo talking about the game yeah and then when it's just he did this the other day in a game it was his time to bat. he took the microphone off and handed it to us. he goes here you go and he went bad <laughs> Sometimes they hit with the microphone on, and you can hear them talking through yeah. the pitch. You know, they did that for a few games. They, they, yeah. they, they did it for I a mean, few games. Like, in real games, yeah. 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 They, they, they do it for a few real games or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, because they, they, they'll do mic'd up or whatever. And uh, Mike, Trout's, Mike Trout's got one of them, and he's standing out there, and he's just having a conversation with the people and all that. And he's like, you see, all right, hold on, the ball's coming. <laughs> you just watch yeah. him track, and he's like, all right, sorry, I had to do my job for a minute, right? <laughs> and then yeah. takes off. But it's like second hat to him. Oh, yeah. You know, right? And, it's just, I, and Cabrera's one that chats it up. I mean, he's uh, he's always been known for that, talking to players out on the field. And oh, yeah. And it's and it's uh, space, man. yeah, because yeah, they're always yeah. next to somebody. Say, they got somebody That's right. Yeah. yeah, they got to do someone they're out there. Yeah. So let's get into some of the fun stuff. I got some trivia. Yeah. First trivia question, Mike is not allowed to answer because he's he's heard the answer. All right. I don't think I remember the answer. You probably, if you don't, you can chime in, but you might. So this was as of 2006, there were three players that were connected. The first player started in 1939. And the last player retired in 2006, which means the player that started in 1939 played against this middle player at an undetermined date. And then that middle player played against the guy that retired in 2006. Can you give me any of these three players? Not a chance. He's Googling it. I'm kidding. (laughs) Yeah, way to go. Uh, No, I couldn't. Oh, gosh. Um, I really couldn't. Uh, Third, what were the years again, Dave? It was the first player started in 1939. He was a hitter. Okay. So we're there gonna... was a pitcher in between them, and the last one retired in 2006 and was a hitter. Mike, do you remember any of these three? Was it one a long time San Francisco or a long time Giant? No. Nah, okay. Nah. Okay. Can you grab the ground? Can, can you give us a? A hint, like what Mike was suggesting. Was with the team. Go Babe Ruth. <laughs> I'm gonna go Babe Ruth, right? Okay, so for my 1939. Uh, even though, but wait, started. No, yeah, started in 39. Babe Ruth's career was about done. Well, it was done by then. Yeah, it was done by died, then. Died, so tied now, right he, around there. Here's your your hint, David. Okay. Possibly the greatest hitter of all time is the first one. 
Okay, so that would probably be Ted Williams. That is Ted Williams. That's right. Ted Williams. Yep. Okay. The last one is honestly no shock because he started playing in 1982. Mm-hmm. Played, started his career, I believe, in the Midwest for the Indians. And he played for over 20 years. Chipper Jones. Yeah. <laughs> uh, t- t- 82 to 2006. Uh, yep. That's how about almost Tony Gwynn years, but, and one of the greatest hitters of all time who died unbelievably tragically young. Very young. Um, but it's not Tony Gwynn because he, I don't think he started off the Indians. And I think he retired around 99 or 2000. Yeah. Um, Piazza didn't play that. Uh, uh, no, no, Piazza, no, he wouldn't have been. Huh. You got me. And who, who, and who is the in-between one? The in-between one is a pitcher. He went from 59 to 82, and he's actually from the area. I believe he went to oh. Hope College, Michigan, in Michigan. Okay, Grand Rapids area. All right. Um, God, until you said that, I was gonna guess uh, like Tom Seaver, but um, yeah, I know he didn't go to Hope College. So all right, pitch, I give up. The pitcher was Jim Cott. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And the hitter, you're gonna sit there and go, oh yeah, Julio Franco. Oh, man. Cleveland Indians, right? Oh, his his batting stance, you know, he always had the big, yeah. big uh, elbow up. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, he played – geez, he had a long career. He played forever. Yep. The game, Absolutely. So that, that was one of my big trivia ones. I love that trivia question. People, people they, they it's just so hard because there's such that huge span. Yeah. So I learned this the other day. You know there are three Hall of Famers that played with the Harlem Globetrotters. Oh yeah, you gave me this one. No. Huh. Baseball. Baseball Hall of Famers. Can anybody name one of them? This might be the one where I remember it's an ex Mookie or whatever. <laughs> they only like. Wow. Uh, I have no idea. Wow, these, these are some great trivia. Questions. I, I have some great trivia questions. Huh. They they. they so they're, they only comprise two major league teams, and one of these players played for both teams. Okay. And if you need well, another hint, I can give you another hint. Are they New York teams? Because they are the Harlem Globetrotters. They are not New York teams. Okay. When he first asked me that, my, my thought was, well, maybe they're like now L.A. Dodgers and yeah. San Francisco Giants, who used to be New York teams. Right. right. Say no, I uh, what do you got for a hint? One of them was involved in one of the biggest, most lopsided trades in Major League Baseball history. Oh, and the man he was traded for was Ernie Broglio. (laughs) Do I have to go downstairs and get my uh? Handy dandy copy of the ultimate baseball book. Yes, at this point. Jeez. I got I got that, that. one was I should have brought it with me. I should have brought it up here. It's in, in downstairs. That one was Lou Brock. Lou Brock. Oh. So oh, obviously wow. St. Louis. Yep. St. Louis and the Cubs. Yeah, St. Louis. Yep. yep. The other Cub player, Ferguson Jenkins. Okay. Really? I remember that. And the other Cardinal. So one of the greatest pitchers of all time, Bob Gibson. Now, so 
So they, they, they started with the Harlem Globetrotters. No, they just played with the Harlem Globetrotters. I don't know when they played with the Globetrotters. So I follow Fergie on Twitter. Yeah. And he had a picture of himself. He posted a picture of himself in the Globetrotters jersey. And he goes, a lot of people don't know I played with the Globetrotters. And the other two Hall of Famers that did were Gibson and Brock. I went, holy crap, that's a great <laughs> trivia question. That's huge. All right. Uh, huh. So that's enough trivia for the moment. I want to get into some of the, the greatest things. So I, I'm going to spring this on the two of you. Mike's already gotten a heads up for this one. So, I have an impossible trivia question that I've, I'll save for later on. So I'll you want to do there. it now? I, I'm no. ready. I said we, we All right. already got this is a quick impossibles. one. None of you get it, so it's a quick one. Uh, anybody know where Harrisville, Michigan is? I do. I don't. It's in Michigan. Michigan. Yeah, it's a beautiful little town on Lake Huron. Uh, up, up, kind of between uh, Bay City and Alpena, okay. and uh, very famous baseball player from Harrisville, Michigan. His initials are K, K. Chris Christopherson. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yes, K, K, K. Okay. There's a, a little bar on. Uh, I think it's right on US 23. There, they have good, uh, good fish and chips. What era? And, um, named after him. Oh, way back, 40s. 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 Yep. No idea. No clue. 30s, 40s. Kai Kyler. Kai Kyler. Kai Kyler. Mm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not ringing a bell. Outfielder. Right. Yep. Outfielder. Pirates? Yeah. yeah. And Cubs, I believe. Mm. I believe so. National League. And it, uh, yeah, Kai Kyler's place. So uh, he's the pride of Harrisville, Michigan. Cool. So, yeah, there you go. So. so All right, what you got for us? I want to know, you guys are, are setting a lineup. I want to know your top players at every position. You get two pitchers. Doesn't matter if they're starters or relievers. Oh. Uh, I know my pitchers right off the bat. I'm a Verlander guy through and through, right? Okay, so Verlander and who? Oh, Randy Johnson. Okay. David, you this want some time like, to think? This is like all time? All time. All time. Oh, Negro okay. leagues, too. Yeah, maybe it'll be funner to do it just off the top of my head. Um, I, I'm still going to go. I'm going to go with one pitcher, an older guy. You know, I'm going to go Christy Matthewson. Okay, yeah. yeah. And then uh, Greg Maddox. If, if, if we're doing all time, I don't know. I, I have to throw, gosh. Well, you got to pick two, so I'll come back right. to you. I know mine, I, too. I, I mentioned one earlier, Bob Gibson. Yep. Bob that, was, that would Greg be Maddox. Mine. Mine would be Bob Gibson and Nolan Ryan. I, said, yep. I, I have to go Nolan Ryan because, like, I'm a huge Nolan Ryan. And so, Me too. Uh, I'm going to take Nolan Ryan. And, and you? Because because I, I, I'm i very much about, like, things I've seen. Like, I, stats are stats, and I get that, right? Um, but I do. I'm still going to stick with my boy JV. Yeah. Uh, just the, the, the movement of the ball and, yeah. and the, way he can, the way he can do things. He's going to so, be a Hall of Famer. Oh, oh absolutely. absolutely. Without that, a doubt. I mean, Bob Gibson and Nolan Ryan, the thing that – the reason why they come right off the top of my head is pitching mechanics. If you're teaching kids how to pitch baseball properly, tell them just watch those two pitch. We, um, you know, I we could talk about this for the rest of the show, but the whole the reason why pitchers blow their arms out nowadays and can't pitch more than four innings because they have no mechanics. None. They stand up there with their back as straight as a board, and then they do a half bend, throw the ball, and they wonder why they all got 
Tommy John surgery by the time they're 28 or their well, elbows blown out after pitching four innings I, or a dead arm, you know, in May. Well, again, incredible mechanics. Greg Maddox had, and, and, and you look at some of the great Braves pitchers in the 1990s, like Tom Glavin, same thing, just oh, textbook yeah. mechanics. And have you those seen guys that? had long careers for a reason. And Nolan Ryan, probably the best pitching mechanics of anybody. Oh, yeah. I mean, shout outs just beyond belief. But one of my favorite memes, I, I love memes, right? I, I am supposed to baseball. One. Is it the They're, house? The house, right? So there's a house and there's like I hired Greg Maddox to, to paint the house. And it's all and he goes, for some reason, he only did the corners and needs somebody to fill everything yeah. else in. And I was I like, this is epic, right? No, like, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was great. It's great. Yeah. And I and it's, um, you know, the pitchers nowadays that are going to have the longer careers are still the ones that actually go up with good mechanics. And yep. I, yep. I mean, I, I don't know when it it became something I started to notice, but maybe like the mid 2000s, you know, you see guys pitching from a stretch when there were no runners on base. And I, I learned something because I, I love listening to the games on a radio, even if I'm watching them on TV. Um, I'll still have the radio broadcast on, but I don't watch very many of them on TV because I don't have cable. Talk about saving money. But, uh, you know, and um, it's, I don't know, maybe it was four or five years ago, I was listening to Tigers broadcast, and Dan Dickerson was, and Jim Price were talking all about this, you know, about the difference in pitching mechanics and everything. And they were talking to the Tigers pitching coach before one of the games, and and this was, um, I think, in 2017 or 2018. It was the year after um, Verlander's second run at the Cy Young when he got injured and, and his mechanics were all screwed up. And they were interviewing him, and he says, well, you know, the thing that we got to do, and that we do this with all the pitchers, is we make them sit down and we watch, make them watch a clip of, of a good inning they had pitching, and we tell them, no matter how you threw the ball, you got to do exactly the same thing over and over again. And it's like, so, okay, a guy had horrible mechanics, but it happened to be painting the corners for three batters when they got up to the plate. But because that was the inning you decided was his best that he had in three months, your version of coaching is repeat that over and over and over again. So, and maybe that's the, you know, superstitious aspect of baseball. I, I don't know. I mean, there's a logic to it, right? Success is success because it worked. So try it again and see if you get the same results. But if, you know, baseball, you can't outsmart the game. And there's a reason why pitching mechanics are there. I mean, watch, watch uh, a guy like Nolan Ryan, who had a career of 20 some years and could still throw the heat when he was 40 years old. There's a reason for that. His arm was perseverance. And I know he's a bad name because of, you know, the drug scandal and everything, but Roger Clemens, dare I bring it up, was another guy that had like really awesome pitching mechanics. And you watch old clips of Roger Clemens from the 1980s and early nineties. I mean, there's a reason why the guy, I watched him pitch a game at Tiger Stadium it was on TV, but this is in, I don't know, it was the mid to late nineties. And I think he had, 19 strikeouts that game and i you know watching the game on tv just marveling at I, okay the tigers back then probably had you know five guys in their starting lineup that didn't belong in the major leagues but still i mean just watching him absolutely do do master work out there and pitching mechanics just it's yeah 
you know, don't overthink it, folks. One, one of the greatest pitch games I ever saw was his I birthday. birthday. Kerry Woods' 20 strikeout game, which should have been an all-hitter. Yeah. Yeah. And they incorrectly said that that infield hit was a hit when it should have been an error. But he was he was masterful that game. And you know what? And it's you've got to look at it like for me, perfect games are perfect games. But a 20 strikeout game, that's all but seven of the outs being by strikeout. Yeah. With a perfect game, there's always two or three like really great defensive plays that save that hit from happening or that, yeah. So let's move to catcher. Yep, catcher. I have a definitive answer on catcher. And I'm going Negro Leagues with this one. Okay. It's Josh Gibson. Died young, never got his due. The Babe Ruth of the Negro Leagues. Sure. Uh, Catcher's a hard one. It is. You know, I, I, I'm just, I get emotionally attached to people. So, like, I brought it up. Like, I I'm, I was a Piazza fan, right? Mike Pizza, baby. You know, say when I was, I was a young thing, right? And looks like pizza. So, you know, best, best hitter, right? I mean, as a catcher, like this is amazing. And the out of here is just fantastic. Um, I, you know, if I had to pick a lineup though, I guess like, like I was, a, like, I, I've always, like I've never was a catcher, right? I was always a big kid. And so but like Pudge Rodriguez, right? I mean, just he, the way he brought teams together. Like, so I, that's I, who I, I would I, pick. Like, pick. Pudge is huge, man. Like, so it's like, and I think he was just a great leader. So like, if I'm picking a team that I'm building, it's it's probably gonna either be Pudge. Yeah, I'm gonna go Pudge. That's gonna be my final. We'll lock it. No, he just he was he called a great game. Fantastic. Had a great arm. Yep. I say. And uh, David. Yeah, catcher. Catcher's a tough one. I mean, I you know Pudge was my kind of my gut reaction to him. Maybe that's because of what he did for the Tigers. And, yeah, sure. And, uh, and of course he had a great career before that with Texas, but Yogi Berra, I mean, yeah. I, yeah. the mind of the game, I mean, he, uh, and he, you know, he had a high career batting average for a catcher. I mean, he, he had almost 300 and I think he had what over 300 home runs yeah. well over yeah. actually, I think maybe close to 400 even, but. And he and then, of course, the best personality. Yeah, yeah, and and the mind of the game. I mean, you know, he had a managerial career and everything after that, and it's, some uh, best quotes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, All the way. Said ninety percent of the game is ten percent mental or whatever. No, ninety percent of the game is fifty percent. Sorry, percent mental. Looks um, like deja vu all over again. <laughs> I'll, I'll throw a shout into my mom here. She would say Tony Pena, and you want to know why? Like this button. Like this button. Actually, no. <laughs> if there was nobody on base, Pena would literally sit down to receive the ball. He would, he would sit down and do this flip yeah. and catch the ball. I was saving his energy for when he was going to hit that triple. That yeah, probably probably wasn't coming, but in the back of his mind, it was there. <laughs> so the next position is a tough one for me. First base. I'll say I got mine figured out. The Iron Man. Lou Gehrig. Lou Gehrig. I'll, I'll save you time. Mine too. Lou Gehrig. Hard to argue with that. Nick? Mm. I mean, we, we have a triple crown winner. <laughs> we have, like, you know, uh, I don't know. Like, triple crown is very hard for me to beat, right? Uh, I, I think, does he play the position amazing itself? But, you know, so I got, like, I have to go with Cabrera, right? I mean, 
I, I do. I'm, I'm, you know, granted, and I'm devoted to my Tigers in the first place, so that's what makes me lose a lot of my uh, fantasy baseball because that's why I don't do it anymore. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with him. I, I, I probably have to go with Garrett. Yeah. I mean, you look at, you're talking about guys who had great careers, but then they were cut short. Yep. How many more years does he have if he doesn't get sick? A lot, probably. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I he already I would... had set the record yeah. for. And yeah till till Kyle Ripken and the thing about Garrick a lot of people forget is the cruelty of of fate I mean he was really absolutely ahead of his time on like sports medicine and fitness mm-hmm. and was the antithesis of Babe Ruth I mean he didn't drink he didn't smoke he um you know was into working out and everything and of all people you know the one that got the the disease that destroyed his body so quickly it was mm-hmm. it was a sad irony but yeah I'm you talk about players way ahead of their time. and well, Because Ripken came up, I'm going to throw a little tidbit out here. So I'm watching on ESPN the day he broke Garrick's record. record. And, you know, this was the beginning of the Internet. It was 1995. So I shot off a letter to the Sporting News. And, you know, they published it in their letters to the editor type deal. And I thought that was cool. And this is one of the big regrets of my life. They they emailed me like a month later and asked me to, you know, do a piece on Ripken. Yeah. And I just kind of let it go. I'm like, yeah, I'm busy. I, I don't really have time to do that. One of the big regrets of my life that, you know, a national publication said, hey, give us your thoughts on Cal Ripken beating Gary's streak. And I'm like, yeah, I don't have time for that. I'll just move on with my life. Yeah. Dumbass. What could have been? You could have you could have been a budding uh, sports journalist. I guess I could have columnist at least. Yeah, Dumb that's really neat. Me. I didn't I didn't know that you did that. I that's did. Cool. It, yeah. I, I that's really neat. I don't know why at that point I was so enamored with Ripken, but I really was. I mean, him breaking that to me it was one of those big moments when you looked at you you knew you were witnessing history. You were yeah. never going to see anything like that again. Uh, yeah, Nobody, I was enamored with it too. I remember sitting. Anymore. Yeah. No. That'll never yes. again. Dimaggio's history. history. You know, was yeah, never that's right. Come. Nobody's no. ever going to hit more RBIs than Hack Wilson in a season. No. I, there are just and, certain records that won't fall. Yeah, I remember watching the the, the same game, Dave, with uh, and with my dad and my two brothers, and and I, my dad saying, "Yeah, that that that'll be one record that'll never be broken again, ever." And and even the guys on ESPN at the time were saying, yeah, this is likely a record that won't be broken. And I'm not going to name names, but you think of some managers that are around, including those that have recently managed the Tigers. And, well, I had to force so-and-so to rest today. I think he needs a rest, you know. Um, even though we just had a, an off day and, you know, every other person that works a job has to show up every day, this guy needs a rest. And that mentality of, and part of it is because, I mean, now you've got a $20 million asset on the field. I yep. hate to yep. refer to people that way, but they make a lot of money. And if I was managing a team and I had $20 million players there, I wouldn't want to have to call the, the owner up and say, guess what? <laughs> I so-and-so blew his arm out today. Sucks, but we're not going to have him the rest of the year. And, oh, yeah, you get to pay him the rest of his $20 million salary to go sit in the clubhouse and eat potato chips while watching the game so yeah, it's yeah. amazing how much just little like little tweaky tweak injuries you know i tweaked my elbow i tweaked my shoulder i'm gonna take you know the next two or three days off i mean it it didn't happen back then 
Well, I remember Caitlin's senior year. I, you know, Marv had told me specifically you should have given her a few days off because halfway through the season, she tore a ligament in her thumb mm-hmm. on her throwing hand. But we weren't, I, I couldn't justify putting somebody else in when she's a captain and knows what she's doing. And even at half strength, she was better than half the players on the team. So, I mean, sometimes you just got to suck it up and deal. Yeah. So, second base for me, I'm going to turn into Nick here and be a homer. It's Ryan Sandberg. And that's a great choice. And I'd say what he's writing down, and I'm going to agree 100% with Nick. <laughs> say Jackie Robinson. Jackie R. So, right. And, I mean, just uh, fantastic player. And, again, I'm going to go with people that – I, I'm building a team that's going to win here because, right, they're going to work great with others. This guy, I mean, he changed, changed the way everybody looked at people. Yep. And yep. it just, ah, gosh, when you have that, right? It just, I didn't meet the guy, you know, but just the, the, the outlook of how, how you're changing an entire world's look at things, that's huge for me. So. Well, you know, and talking about Robinson, and, and you guys probably all know this, do you know why Branch Rickey picked him? No. I mean, you know, I do because I, I do because I've watched the video. David does. Why, why did they pick Jack? Well, part of the reason why he picked him is because he had he knew that he had the character to withstand everything that he was going to face. Yeah. Because Branch Rickey knew what he was going to face. Yeah, because Robinson basically said, "You want me to fight back?" He goes, "No, I want you because you're strong enough not to fight back." Yep. Yep. He said, "You're going to have to stand there and take it, and you know what that means." Yep. So I I agree. He would be my pick. I I'm not going to argue that one. You know, Sam, you know Samberg, I think honestly just yeah, it's a great choice as well. But no, yeah, that that was my guy growing up. I wanted to be Ryan Samberg. It's got to be. <laughs> I I begged I begged Tom Senior to play me at second base because I wanted to be Ryan Samberg, and he looked at me and he goes. You're too slow to play second base. Go play. Yeah, so, so he put me, who you know, when I was twelve, I was you know, I looked like I was about eight and you well, know, that, four feet tall or whatever. And oh, yeah, you'll be fast out there. <laughs> was your was your vertical huge? Mine? No, no. David's. David's uh, yeah. No, no. When you're I four feet, four and a half feet tall, you're you know, even if you jumped of uh, half of your body height, you're not going to have a good vertical. I no my uh, my my second baseman. I'm telling you, this kid was probably five foot even, and his vertical was just. I mean, and he was so quick, like just the pop of this little kid. And uh, you know, I I I I think they're built that way. That's just what it is. So <laughs> I, I will say, fun baseball trivia. I never got thrown out of stealing, and I did steal bases. I never got thrown out. Uh, it's funny because I was cocky as crap. I would lead off. I mean, we did it with the kids all the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you can't pick me up, what are, like, oh, man, I'd give leads because I'll walk to the next base. I know you're going to overthrow it. <laughs> nope. So shortstop's going to be another tough one. Yeah. yeah. Say. I, I have a definitive answer I do. as usual. I chose one, but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to start. I guess I'm going to go with the hometown zero. Uh, I mean, here, and I, you will never hear these words come out of my mouth because um, I don't pick uh, that team, right? And <coughs> Yankees. Yeah. Uh, but Derek, Derek Jeter, I mean. Ultimate winner. The, the, the legend that he's going to be, I mean, forever, what he created. So I think uh, I, have to, I have to go with a Yankee, and it sucks. But 
sometimes you just got to eat it and you got to give respect where it's due. So I'm going to go with a, <clears throat> a Cardinal and Ozzie Smith. There you go. I hate the Cardinals, but this will be my second Cardinal with Ozzie Smith. Yeah. Just ahead of his time in that position. He was. He was the smoothest fielder I ever saw. I remember going to a Cubs Cardinals game. And I got so pissed off with the game because Sammy hit two out that day. Yeah. It was probably, you know, it was when they were crap. It was like 90, 91, 92, somewhere in there. And they stopped pitching to him after he hit two out. I see one five for five that day, drove in like six runs. <laughs> and I'm sitting in the stands going, why aren't you walking him? Stop throwing him the ball. David? Yeah, you know, I'm torn because uh... – it is the Yankees, but uh, it's also the hometown guy, Kalamazoo. Yep. And, uh, you know, I, I can, played against. Yeah, and I can live with Derek Jeter. So I'll, I'll pick him. Um, you know, if nothing else, we're talking about pure merit. I mean, the guy was pretty impressive in the playoffs and had a lot of opportunities there. Yeah. Um, but I will point out, being a Tigers fan, that – uh, Alan Trammell's numbers were not all that different than Derek Jeter's. And if Alan Trammell had played for the New York Yankees and not the Detroit Tigers, there would probably, probably have more than one World Series. Yeah. Yeah. And there would have been a lot more national media, you know, interest in him because of that. So still, still for my money, best double play combination, him and Sweet Lou Whitaker. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's hard because, you know, I wasn't, I mean, I have, I have the banner, you know, for, uh, Tiger Stadium, Tiger Stadium, you know the old, and everybody, you know, every, you know, oh, you're a big Tigers fan. I, I am. I'm a big Tigers fan. Oh, 84 Tigers. Yeah, you were great. Born. Good fucking job for them. Like no, no disrespect. Anybody. I was born in '88, so like you can talk about. Oh, you know, it's, we all understand Babe Ruth. We all like none of us watch a damn game, right? <laughs> like you know, but so to I'll me, speak it's, for yourself on the '84 Tigers. I'm just old enough that I can remember that. Fair yeah, you know, but, but I'm like I'm just not like <laughs> yeah. so. You know, okay, I can go back and watch highlights, but with again, there's 80, 81 games at home I can stay here and watch. Like, I, I, I want to be in the moment with baseball. Like, I, you know, and I, I do like now, I mean, like now I've created, I've gone older and got mature. Like, I, back when I was a kid, I, I can still tell you, right? Like, Jake Anthony was one of our players, right? And, you know, because, oh, Jake the Snake, and he did nothing with his career, but like, I now, I mean, you look at, uh, Nick Cassianos, right? Because I followed that dude from the White Caps yep. all the way up. I mean, we we went to see him in Erie. We went to see him in um, or he passed that. Yeah, I think he went to Toledo. He went right up to the Tigers. And um, I wish you would have stayed with the Cubs. I did too. Well, and then all of a sudden, right? Like then he gets traded. So my wife and I. Uh, so if anybody if anybody wants a person traded off their team, let me know because once we buy something of that person, like a jersey, because uh, I find about my first Verlander jersey gone. And then Castellanos, gone, right? Like I, my Pudge Rodriguez, uh, my wife and I. So um, I, I had a Pudge Rodriguez. We got a plaque. We got a plaque because, uh, uh, you know, with, with Tigers that we like, and both gone, right? And just like every time, every time I get devoted to a player, just there it goes, right? And so I'm like, oh, I gotta stop doing, it. you know. And this is a true thing. We go. We're not talking about football, but like, right? I was a huge Matt Prater fan. Yeah. How'd that work out for me now? I'm like, come on. You were conceived and Kirk Gibson left. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, this is exactly, I'm not lying to you guys. Like, if you, want him, if you want him off your team, just let me know because 
uh, once once I support that, they, they just they go. And so, um, well, if they would have had Hoosier Tiger back then, Gibson was my Tiger. Oh, yeah. I loved Gibson. Yeah. yeah, I remember listening to Tigers games on the radio with my dad. I, I guess this would have been 92, 93 or whatever, or 82, 83, back when I was like under 10 years old. Yeah. So I remember somebody would come up and I would think, why are they booing this guy? Only to learn they're going, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, Mark, it was the same thing with me. I, I I was like, wow, why are they booing him? I thought we liked him. And yeah, my dad was the same thing. He's like, no, some they're saying Lou. Yeah. <laughs> you go to the stadium, you know, go to Tiger Stadium, it'd be the same thing. So it's really cool. So third yeah. base. This one's, a, this one's a great one for me. Uh, okay, cool. I'm going to choose David Wright. Uh, what I understand. What I understand, right? Like this guy is an amazing person to be around. He impacts so many yeah, lives. He's like a good guy. he, from what I like, just knowing him and mentioned, he's just a fantastic player, right? Like so. Um, Did he win the home run derby? Or he challenged for the home run derby the one year? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, um, you know, we're talking about hitters. We're talking. I mean, I'm building a team of hitters, as you can tell. <laughs> yeah, you absolutely. can tell. Um, but you know, because well, you know. Back when I was younger, right, it was the Sosa McGuire. Like, I mean, dude, I'm, you know, have you ever, if you know who Daniel Tosh is, right? Like, he talks about, he talks about, he's like, give these guys the, the PEDs. He goes, I want to see them blow their freaking muscles out. Like, because nobody wants, like, all right, I either want to watch a no-no, right? Because I want the, I want the best of the best. But like, or I want to see a ball just fucking sail. And yeah. that, like, dude, you were glued to your TVs. You were glued to your radios because I remember all the time. Is he going to hit it? And especially when it was like the last like three weeks of baseball, and they're so close. I'm sitting here going, "Ooh!" And then McGuire just bah bah. And I was like, "This is huge!" Like that. That's what brought so much light to baseball. I mean, you know, it, it just, yeah. But no. So I'm going to go. It right just because everything I hear about the guy, everything I've researched, and and for being a fantastic player, I absolutely love watching him. Built like a freaking brick. <laughs> David, you got an answer? Wade Boggs. Yeah. I, yeah, I was talking close. about talking about hitters. I mean. Uh, one of the best ever. Yeah, I was close to Boggs, but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull the Ernie Banks card here because Banks played shortstop and he played first. <laughs> yeah. So I'm gonna pull the Ernie Banks card. And I'm gonna go Cal <laughs> Ripken because he played shortstop and he played third. <laughs> Probably better known as a shortstop, but he played third, so I'm going Ripken. There you go. He can play like Mike Schmidt. Mike Schmidt. Oh yeah. Yeah. My I I had to. Off the top of my head, it was Mike Schmidt, Wade Boggs, and George Cal. Yeah. So, when you so, talked uh, about power hitters, and you talked about, and of course, you know, you're, well, a couple big Tiger fans. I remember going to, and I think it was in college at the time, so probably like 94, 95, going to a Tigers game at, of course, the corner. Yeah. And watching them play the Oakland A's, and McGuire put one over. Oh yeah, over. I, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I just remember that thing flying. It was over the room. Uh, you know, everybody gets impressed by that. So it's like, we, yeah. I yeah. went there in '87. I remember when I was a kid. Um, they played the Oakland A's, you know, Tigers and McGuire and Canseco. Now I think that was their, their rookie season. Yeah, right. it was. And yeah, McGuire hit a home run that day. We were there. You know, when we and it's tough because back before he was on roids. Yeah, yeah, and he was still, you know, Popeye forearms. So it was. I, I'm. It's so hard for me because 
when you're on roids, right? Sure. It, the, the problem the problem with roids is you still have to put the effort in to get the roids to work right yep. like yeah. you can't just shoot them and all of a sudden you have superhuman strength like you still have to go do it so i mean i you know i don't know it's it's really a tough one for me because again i'm that guy we're all that guy that want to see that fucking ball just yeah. fly right and you know no, it's like tough. People, i want something incredible in the game i'm seeing oh, like okay. i well, do not a pitch you know, so tough. Where there's like three hits or you know yeah What's so tough for me with with those guys is that I think of the was it the '98 season with Sosa and McGuire, and you know it was only uh, what three or four years after the the season got canceled because of the strike. Yep. And here it is. You see, I'm I'm you know a a romantic baseball purist if there mm-hmm. ever was when I'm in my historian for crying out loud that shouldn't be surprising and. And even was when I was, you know, 20, uh, however old back then. And I was thinking to myself at the time, man, this is just great. This is the type of stuff that, you know, I can imagine the kids in the 60s got to enjoy with Roger Maris. And and here it is. You got this great home run match going on throughout the whole season. And good baseball, too. I mean, not just horrible teams with one guy that can hit the ball. You know, the Cardinals were good that year, especially in and uh the cubs won the central that year yeah exactly the cubs, or not world series um the, wild card the, wild, the wild, card. wild card and and they were good too and it was just to watch that and then the big letdown yeah. <laughs> thinking well there was an asterisk behind it but then the cynical sort of realist me even at the time said you know what i mean unfortunately gd's part of life and it's part of the game and if these guys got caught, there was probably, you know, five of the nine guys in the lineup that day that might have been doing it, too. And it's it doesn't excuse it. But I I really, truly am and always have been torn about this. And I've gotten in this conversation with my dad before and he gets really, really animated about it because he's like, oh, you know, all these guys were cheaters and and it was terrible what they did to the game. And but then but they really brought fans back. Yeah. They did. They did. really lost the taste for it with the yep. strength and everything. That's it. And I wonder I wonder how much of an issue it really is with fans. Obviously, a fan like my dad, it's a huge issue. But then how many people would really sit there and bring the pitchforks to the stadium and start, you know, stabbing the masses if uh, you know, they put Mark McGuire in the Hall of Fame or they put Roger Clemens in the Hall of Fame and or Barry one of Bonds these or, Barry Bonds and these guys are back in the game coaching and what one of these days um I don't know if the Hall of Fame is necessarily going to mean what it used to I don't think it does now actually but but yeah, nonetheless if they, if they start letting these steroid people in the Hall of Fame they really need to let Pete Rose in the Hall of oh, Fame oh man that... yeah I, all the way and and what are the Tigers going to do if they won the World Series with A.J. Hinch right. as their yeah. manager? Yeah. What are they going to do? He got caught cheating in kind of a big way. Yeah. <laughs> he did his act of contrition, evidently, and kissed and made up with the league. And and But what are the fans going to think? And Dan Dickerson, who I just can't speak highly enough, I think he's like the the great voice of radio nowadays, baseball um, nowadays, and you know, he had on the second uh, Tiger screen training game, he had a nice discussion with himself about this. You know, Jim Price, who's been his color commentator for years, Jim Price didn't make the trip down to 
Florida, he's got a lot of health concerns. So I think he's trying to play it safe with the, with the coronavirus pandemic. But, you know, Dan Dickerson says, well, you know, a lot of fans out there and myself included were wondering when they hired A.J. Hinch, well, do we have a cheater on hand? And did he, uh, did he admit what he did was wrong? And, and is that sufficient to give him a second chance? And I believe in second chances and we'll have to see what happens. And, and I, you know, the incredible honesty of him is great. And, uh, but that's baseball. I mean, there's Ty Cobb was a cheater. Ty Cobb was a gambler. And if, if they hadn't had the huge scandal with throwing the White Sox out uh, a couple years before, Ty Cobb might have actually been banned from the game. But the the league at the time thought that, well, <laughs> we're kind of in you know a dark spot right now with our fans. And if we have another scandal that we have to kick the guy who's the greatest player out, um, this may not be good for the future of the game. So they kind of, don't do that again, young man. And brushed it under the rug so it's yeah, yeah. i don't know well and that sucks because you know he's a hall of famer and shoeless joe is still going to go down as a cheater yeah 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 that's it it's not it, it isn't fair and pete rose i mean say what you like about him i don't know him personally but it, he appears to have a lot of a lot of stuff going on in his personal life and always has but for for what he did when he was a player wow I mean, it's, you got one of the great, probably the greatest hitter or maybe the second greatest hitter in the history of the game. And he's not in the hall of fame. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you really need to judge these people on their actual playing career. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what it's about. You know, and the Pete Rose, it's, it's frustrating to me because, you know, he didn't, he didn't gamble on his own team. Right. (laughs) Say, but he gambled on them to win. Right, to win, he get well. Yeah, he so, didn't gamble against them. Right. He, yes, yes. It's not, it's not like he, he had any way to, to make money. Yeah, he literally yeah, was like, "No, I'm, I'm betting for me. Like, I, this is how much I have in myself." But you know, it's not like he's over here. Hey guys, I gotta win. Yeah. I gotta lose this one. Right? We're gonna have four back today. Yeah, yeah. You know? I have a prediction to make about that um, because now sports gambling is legal and pretty much everywhere in the U.S. I bet you in the not too distant future, there's going to be a gambling affair in one of the professional sports that makes the NBA official thing from a few years ago or what Pete Rose did look like child's play. And, and I hate to say it, but I just, again, Nick, we go back to the European soccer leagues. I mean, the Italian league, um, a huge problem in the Italian premier league with this going on and on to the point where they've had entire seasons records vacated from teams and really nasty stuff. And even some of the, the things have come out in the English premier league where sports gambling in Britain has been legal forever. And it's, you know, you walk down any main street in a city in Britain and you've got the, you know, five sports gambling offices right there next to all the bars and, and it's made its way into the game there. And, kind of everybody's hush hush about it but it's the world's worst kept secret i can imagine that happening here in a big way and if that let's say in 10 years from now um it comes out that something like what the astros did a couple years ago this time was all for gambling payoffs right now (laughs) we've got not it may have been but oh wow this is like a really bad thing does pete rose 
say, well, geez, I only bet on a couple games that I got caught on. And hey, it wasn't against my team. I didn't throw matches from it. Mm-hmm. Now what do you do? Right. I, I, yeah. So, all right. Uh, outfield. <laughs> the entire thing? The entire thing. And right. I'll go first because I have them all. All right. Ruth should be one. He's not. Yep. So I'm going, and I don't care if they're what position they play because I have two right fielders. Oh, okay. So I'm going with Hank Aaron. Yep, me too. To me, the home run champion. I'm going with possibly the greatest player ever in Willie Mays. And this third one was really between two players. It was between Griffey and Clemente, and I'm going to go with Clemente. Okay. I'm agreeing with you with Mays. Okay. And I'm agreeing with you with um, I'm trying to blank. Hammer and Hank. Hammer and Hank. Okay. I'm throwing in Ted Williams. Mm-hmm. Can't go wrong there. Mm. See, and I I do have it, you know, so I went with Hank Aaron because mm-hmm. that's what it is. Um, and then I'm going to go with the guy that be Hank Aaron because we just talked about this. Right? <laughs> I mean, when you have it. So I'm going to take Barry Bonds, right? Okay. Um, and then, you know, I, I wrote, I wrote, I have, I have Maze, Mantle, or Cobb, right? And like literally three of the yeah. greatest and just, I don't know, you know, I can fight either way, but yeah, I mean, Cobb was, Cobb was something that was fantastic, right? I mean, and Mace, yeah, right? We can all agree, probably one of the greatest players, but I, you know, I'm going to go Cobb just because I want to be different, so. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll be a blend of what you guys picked, and I get to, I get to do it not because they're Tigers, but because they were awesome players that happen to be Tigers. Ty Cobb. Yep. Al Kaline. There you and go. then, and then I will go with Ted Williams. I mean, i Probably the greatest hitter, but one yep. of them in the history yeah. of the game, and right with Ty Cobb. So, hey, hey, Cobb's corner, corner is where it's at, you know. I mean, yep, because <laughs> I still remember reading stories about like Williams. He would have trouble with like pitchers, especially like he would have trouble with guys who would throw like knuckleball type pitches, and he just adapted. Yeah, he's like, I'm gonna delay my swing, I'm gonna, you know, it seems to drop, I'm gonna swing upward, and he was able to, you know, find ways to hit off of these yep. different pitchers. I, the opposite field hitting at Ted Williams, you know, I, I watch games nowadays where they've, they're doing this silly shift. And I just think to myself, Ted Williams would have hit 500. He would have gone up there and he would have said, these guys are idiots. You just given me half of the field to hit. I could bunt a ball and get on base. And he would, if that's what it took. I, yeah. I just they do it with like Rizzo as a Cubs fan. Yeah. You know, they always do the shift. To, yeah. The third baseman is playing deep second base. Yeah. Yep. And it's like, learn how to freaking hit to the opposite. Field. You know, that's right. It's I, not I, hard. It's a lost I art. I, well, you know, it's funny that we're bringing up this. Um, my daughter, she's five years old. I don't know the name of the show, but it's like uh, it's this tech show or whatever. So then there's a, there's a bad guy, and they play a baseball game. And uh, every time that you get out or whatever, like you're off the field. So then they, they start doing, like, statistics, right? They're teaching her very young. And it's like, oh, nine times out of ten, they hit it to left field. So where should we put our one player, right? And it's like. Oh, like, and so, like, they only have the player stand over there, and then, like, they get them, and they're like, that's how they, they beat them, is because the percentage of time that yep. actually happens, and it's like, we're, we're, we're teaching these kids the shift, <laughs> like, based yeah. off, based off of statistics, and, mm-hmm. you know, but 
so when it when it works right you look like a genius when it fails you again look like you had a guy bunt and get the first base that should have never even crawled to first base right? but see <laughs> that's it's like Mike said, it's a lost art and opposite yeah. field hitting used to not be it. And it shouldn't be because it's, you know, I mean, you delay your swing, you got to be able to read the ball. Mm-hmm. And a yeah. lot of, you know, you look at baseball, the way it's been over the last, I don't know, probably 10 years. And the trend has been, they either get up there and hit a home run or they strike out. And that's because they're all pull power hitters and, mm-hmm. or they think they're going to be. And that mindset doesn't lend to, uh, opposite field hitting and, and not trying to swing for the fence, but really reading the picture and, and being yeah. able to delay your swing enough that you hit it the other way. Well, it's, you know, I really like the, the switch hitting where some of these guys are, you know, yeah. depending on who you're going against and it's, you know, so you can hit the field, but now it's just a matter of, can you hit that specific part of the field when you're, when you're playing that side? I remember and, a game in 2019 where I was watching the highlights of Javi trying to hit left-handed because at that point the Cubs were already ahead. Yeah. So and he he failed miserably, but it was fun watching it. Yeah, have to sure. do that. No, yeah. but I I sat there and I was camping last weekend with uh, Boy Scouts, and one of the boys is trying to. He's going to be a freshman at Portage Northern Middle School or High School, and he's trying out for the baseball team. And so he was he and his dad were out there practicing. They just had the wiffle ball and the bat just to, you know, practice the following the pitch and everything. And he was swinging at everything, even when the stuff was like in the dirt. And I'm like, you could be the next Javi Baez. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or, or a Tigers catcher. I mean, right. Yeah. right. If, he's, I mean, if he's big enough, you know, tell him to go try out for the Tigers. If he hits 85, they won't care. They'll put him behind the plate. Oh yeah. I mean, well, especially now, I mean, you know, yeah. we have, we have has beens in every, what's supposed to be a, a good person coming up. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I'm, not looking, I, I'm not looking forward to the Tiger. Like I'll watch a game because I'm tech, but like, I know that my season is just not going to be no. amazing. Hey, it'll be a, it, their accomplishment this year should be not to lose 90 games. Yeah. And, and if they, the can, is, if they you, can only lose 89. You, you and yeah. I both, you and I both can see that we we have potential to lose over, over 90 and that just sucks. Yeah. And, and actually a hundred, which isn't going to be fun, but you know what? I'm an optimist and I'm a big Tigers fan. So if they finish the season with only 89 losses, Hey, we did good. <laughs> yep. So I have another trivia question that honestly, the only one that probably can answer this is David. Uh-oh. Oh, you put me on the spot. The last left-handed thrower to play catcher in a major league game. It was in 1989. Oh, left-handed thrower. Left-handed thrower. He played for Pittsburgh oh. Pirates. Yeah. Wow. Uh, God, I got a picture right in my mind. Right tip my tongue. I had his baseball card. I probably do too. That's why I got a picture of him in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, great, great baseball name too i'm gonna say yep uh who was it i give up benny distefano oh no that wasn't who i was thinking of um wow benny Dave, I'm, impressed. Last, last I'm impressed that's uh that's that's like you know telling me what you're the you know 494,000th brick was put down on Washington Avenue in 1924 in, in Lansing or something like that. I mean that's great. That's a, sense of a lot of players sitting right-handed. You don't want to be a left-handed catcher. Oh. Yeah. This one's but. for you, Nick. Oh, I got nothing. <laughs> you do. 
baseball fans eat enough hot dogs in a year to stretch from what park to what park? Oh man, uh, let's see. Fenway to Qualcomm. I say I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Fenway to. Oh, I don't know what's the what's the park over in China. Uh, no. <laughs> say no. Um, where are the Mar- What's the Mariner Stadium? Uh, Safeco. Yeah, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Fenway to Safeco. David, any guess? Uh, God. Um, is it Major League only? Because di- I know. Yeah, I, I, I said so, okay. Dime Night was- Whitecaps. Game over, dude. Okay. And it isn't in North America, so it's not like to the. It is in North America. Kyoto Tigers to Yankee Stadium or something. All right, it, I'm gonna it, guess. It, it is in in the United States even. Okay, I'm gonna guess uh, Safeco Field to uh, whatever they call the stadium where the Marlins play now. So it, the first stadium is a stadium known for their hot dogs, Dodger Stadium. Dodger Stadium, okay. The other one is near and dear to Mike's in my heart. Wrigley Field. Really? Oh, well, that's 2000, what? Probably 2009. That's, cool. uh, that's only like 2,500 or 20, yeah, 2,500 miles. 25,500,000 hot dogs. And I'm not eating part of those hot dogs. So you'll be eating for us. At, 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 at four bucks a piece, or well, eight bucks a piece. Wow, man, they're making a lot of money. 5,508,900 sausages. <laughs> That would be, I would be right with you going up to the games at Miller Park, Miller, Wrigley North. Yeah, yeah I, you know, I've still not been to a, a Brewers game, and I have to get up there. That it's a beautiful ballpark, it really is. Yeah. I've only driven past it when I was up there for a friend's wedding, and it looked nice from the outside. So, right, I, got I got one more trivia. Yep, okay, then I got a couple more for you. All right, fantastic. Who is the only World Series MVP? From a losing team. It's a great question. Isn't that the one? Isn't that from when the Pirates beat the Yankees? No. No. Okay. You think of Bill Mazeroski, but no. Well, no, but I'm thinking because they would always win by a couple of runs, and when the Yankees would win, they would like blow them out. Oh. So I was thinking that was. No, I have. No, I have no idea. This is I. This is great. Position. Outfielder. Outfielder. I believe. Hmm. I give up. Yeah, I don't know. That's... David, any any guesses? Mickey Mantle. Outfielder. I believe he was an outfielder. It's not Mickey Mantle then. Well, he... I mean, I, I, you know what? Actually, Mickey Mike is right. Guess. Yeah. Mike I was is gonna right guess. on the Pirates-Yankees. I was going to say. Okay. You're right on the Pirates-Yankees. Do you know the one? Because, yeah, because the – Do you know the player? You know Dave Winfield? Nope. Was it 1960? Oh, 60. No. 60. Wait, before that. No. Bobby Richardson. Bobby Richardson. Okay. The I thought I remember it being that one. It was. It was the Mazeroski home run. Well, when you figure by barely winning each game, but yep. when the Yankees would win, they'd win by like ten runs. Yeah, and, and you figure, I mean, the Yankees have been in what forty World Series, and yeah. the Cubs have been in like twenty. So, I mean, <laughs> you're guess a Yankee or a Cub if it's yeah. about the World Series, and you got a reasonably good chance of getting it right. Yeah. So, 
Favorite baseball movie? I don't mind. I'm wearing it. This is this is always a tough one. Uh, I still love, I love Major League. I, I love it. I do I, love Major League. That a, was my freshman year in college. We watched that almost every day. You know, I say I I think I agree with that. Um, right. I still love Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams is great too. It's fantastic. But you put Costner in a baseball movie, I'm watching it. Yeah. Oh heck yeah. But we're we're talking about like if you're gonna pick pictures, right? And I'm I'm sitting here going, Give me more that's who I'm taking. And I just watched the roast of Charlie Sheen, right? And uh, you know, he's like, because I'm pretty fucking boring, let's go. But that Wild brings, thing. That brings me quickly back to the financial talks. I remember the scene where they're in the guy's apartment and he's like, Well, what do you make? He's like, I make a league minimum. And yeah, back in like 90, league minimum wasn't what it is now, but yeah. Guarantee you was still making more than Rene Russo as a librarian. Absolutely. And they're making fun of it. One of my favorite lines from that movie, you put snot on the ball. (laughs) I don't have an arm like yours anymore, kid. Someday you will do. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have to do it, too. Major League? Yeah. David? No, no. Yes, I have to. There's so many they're great, great baseball movies. movies. Bull Durham, Bull Durham is Bull fantastic. Is that was st- I still think that's Costner's best role is Bull Durham. Yeah, Crash I, Yeah, I think it is. But my favorite baseball movie, I think, is The Natural. Great movie. Great yeah. Movie. Yeah. 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 You know, Maybe when you go to the ones like you know Bad News Bears. Great movie. <laughs> older, <laughs> older, older. 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 Yeah, it's got to be the yeah. Just yeah the original. Yeah. But even like some of the ones like The Sandlot was fantastic, you know, great movie. Just say, right? And uh, A League of Their Own. League of Their Own, yeah. You know, That's even the, the, the newer ones, yeah, the, Moneyball was great. Yeah, say, so, you know, the kids' movies that they have out there, right? Angels in the Outfield. Yeah. Freaking, uh, what's the one where the kid breaks his arm? Oh, uh, rookie of the Year. Rookie of the Year, right? And so he can, you know. I grew up watching baseball movies and, and I just absolutely I thought it was fantastic. So Field of Dreams is it's gotta be my um, you know my close second. Yeah. yeah. No, it's just it's it's other it goes beyond Costner into like, you know, um James Earl Jones yeah, oh, yeah, and his yeah. character and you know Ray Liotta shoots Joe and well and here's a here's a great trivia question about Field of Dreams. Does anybody know who Terrence Mann was based off of? don't no i can't think of it i'm trying to think of who would have been an author back then that they would have probably based him off of because i'm sure it's a real life author it's a real life author who they felt would sue them if they used his name it was jd salinger oh oh yeah yeah and he was a yeah honestly i'm still gonna join you guys doesn't really surprise salinger I guess Salinger's a great author and an intensely private uh, person too. Very much. Yeah, great author. If you ever read any of his works, I've read them all. And The Catcher in the Rye is a good one, but he had a whole series after that, the Fran and Zoe short story series. And and yeah, it doesn't surprise me because his books were very much all about angst and unrequited, uh, you know, affection for parents and family dynamics. A more modern so, day well-known author who has a passion for baseball is Stephen King. Yep. 
Oh yeah, no, very much. Yeah, very much. Yeah. That and rock and roll. I kind of got. Yeah, I thought I thought that was because you know, I, I'm like David. I love reading about history on stuff. So I was watching Field of Dreams probably two three months ago, and I always hop on Wikipedia when I'm watching a movie. It's one of the reasons I hate being in the theater because I can't hop on Wikipedia in the theater. And I started reading, and that's when I learned that. Terrence Mann was based off J.D. Salinger. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I was almost going to say Truman Capote. That would have oh, been yeah. Guess. Yeah, another one of those authors from that time period that mm -hmm. that uh, delved into a lot of that post-war angst and mm -hmm. changing family dynamics as the baby boomers come of age. And yeah. Yep. Yep. Interesting there are just, stuff. There are just so many good baseball movies. So it, it, I know. And... and and baseball, I mean, it's baseball is America. It's mm -hmm. every analogy to American culture, and it's as old as American culture in many ways, at least the American culture we recognize now. And that's why baseball movies that are done right are just so good. It, it is. Oh, it and, really is. And they, you know, you look at a movie like Field of Dreams and and it, uh, you know, it takes place in the heartland. It's not, uh, mm -hmm. it's not a big city violence movie like so many of them are. It's, uh, it's, it's just great. But I think yeah. that's why it is, is, I mean, baseball is universal in the country, whereas a lot of the other sports are very much, you know, large city or, you know, other things. Yeah. Like that. I mean, you get things like, sure, you get like the Mighty Ducks or whatever, which is northern <clears throat> Minnesota and all that. Yeah, but that's it. Baseball was one of the is one of the few things left in our culture now that starts in pre-urban America. I yeah, mean, it's yeah. before the Civil War when most Americans were farmers and lived in small towns and and, and the country isn't that the way. Industrial revolution in the United yep. States, you know, yeah. a lot of that's that, right. You know, was hitting yep. in the like you said, post Civil War and all that yep. building and. Yeah, we. I was talking about this with my uh, my Michigan history class that I'm teaching right now. I I did the history, the brief history of the Detroit Tigers on uh, what was it Thursday night, and I you know told them the same thing that I always explain to my students that. Baseball has this pre-Civil War history, but its its heyday comes in exactly as you point out, Mike, as the nation's industrializing. And there's this whole um, analogy of the rules to how cities and work was organized at the time. There's a reason why the umpires look like policemen did back in the day. And there's a reason why the sport was was actually originally meant to be played in the afternoon and it was supposed to be like a, a you know analogy to a break you would take in the afternoon at work and yeah. it uh you know has this whole neat culture to it so. the entire history between why left-handers are called southpaws because of the pitchers you know the way that they would face because they were doing like you said afternoon games yeah their pitching hand was always facing toward the south yeah because the way the stadiums were orientated back then to keep the, the um sun out of the eyes of the fielders yeah yep. So that leads us to a great question on afternoon games. Does anybody know the first, the date of the first night game at Wrigley Field? The last ball uh, to get lights. God, it was in, I remember watching it. What, 1988? It was in 1988. And it was supposed to be like June 1st or something like that? Or It was originally scheduled for August 8th, 1988. Right. 88, in the third or fourth inning, mind you, the stupid things I remember because I, I hold on to this stuff. Sandberg had a home run. It was against the Phillies. 
Rick Sutcliffe had hit a home run. He started that game. And then the rain came. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. rained him out to like the third or fourth. So no game. So the next night, 8-9-88 against the New York Mets. Mike Bilecki beat the Mets. I want to say it was 4-1 to one for the first night game at Wrigley Field. Stupid thing. Hey, can yeah. you hear me? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Hey, here's some trivia okay. for you. Yeah. Here's some trivia for you. Uh, Babe Ruth's 700th home run. Yes. Where was it hit? I guess it's not Yankee Stadium. No, it wasn't. I'll give you a hint. It's the same answer as my second trivia question. I'm going to just be crazy and say Ebbets Field. Good guess, but uh, nope. So here's my second trivia question because it's the same answer. What's that? Polo grounds? No, no. So second trivia question is where did Lou Gehrig, we were talking about him earlier today, what stadium did he uh, sit out, thus ending his Ironman streak? Same answer as Babe Ruth's 700th home run. All right, I'm going to go with Sportsman's Park. Good guess, but it's not it. American League. Uh, closer. Uh, you're real close. Fenway Park opened up the same day that the stadium did, which is no longer around. I'm 90 miles from there in Lansing. There is Tiger the Stadium. Tiger Stadium. You got it. Called Briggs Stadium at the time. Interesting. Yep. That's right. Yeah. I, I'm happy that in my life I got to see a game at Tiger Stadium. I got to see a game at the old Kaminsky Park. I got to go to Wrigley Field. I, there are still several on my list. I, I need to get yeah. Fenway and Camden. Yep. I, yep, all the way. I never got to do old Comiskey. I, you know, the new, new Comiskey, I, people take kind of their pot shots at it, but every time I'm on the train, I take the train to Chicago occasionally from here because it beats driving and you can actually do it from here. Um, you know, it goes right by the, the, um, park. And I think, man, that looks like a cool stadium. I don't understand why people, you know, take their pot shots at it. Yeah. It's not Wrigley field, but geez, it looks like a really cool place. It's to watch the game. Part of town. Yeah. It's not in the greatest part of town. I, and I get that. It's our great view. I get that, but, but I mean, it's not, look, it's not, I don't find it any worse than the uh, neighborhood. The Tiger stadium was in like back in the eighties when we used to go there. I mean, Corktown in Detroit's kind of gentrified a lot now and it's not, Mm -hmm. not not quite like it was in the 80s there but of course the stadium isn't there anymore either but it um it doesn't seem like it'd be that bad of a place to go i don't know so here's a question speaking of ballparks favorite ballpark that no longer exists you can't say tiger stadium <laughs> okay i would be hard answer it is a definitive answer i do okay it, it'd be hard because i wasn't alive when a lot of these things were played in but uh, judging from seeing them in old film footage and yep. photos and whatnot. Um, oh, I would say until it was ruined in the 1970s by George Steinbrenner, Yankee Stadium. It was the epitome of an old baseball stadium. I, I That is a great answer. Mike, you got an answer? I would go with old Yankee like he did. See, I love, because of the way the outfield looked, the polo grounds. I loved that cut out oh, yeah. center field. Yeah, it looked like the polo grounds looked like an old, um, like British soccer stadium. Yeah, all the way. That's it. That's what they looked like. You know, the 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 roof that went over the entire 
seating area, which they have there because, you know, it rains all the time and they aren't going to stop a game for rain, but the fans don't want to get wet. And mm -hmm. yeah, it had these weird dimensions because of that, yeah. you know, I mean, it, 500 feet or whatever in center field, but if you were a pole hitter, you know, you could knock a home run out with a, you know, 280 foot shot. So, Nick, you got an answer on old time stadium? I can't hear you, Nick. Now I can. Can you guys hear me now? I can. Yep. Oh, man. So the, uh, this whole time I've been talking, way to go. Um, <laughs> say, no, I, you know, I, I think I agree with that is, you know, old Yankee Stadium, just the design of it. Um, you know, it, it's really, I, I, I think it's what what baseball was back in the day, right? I mean, you guys hit it square on the head. Yeah, the, and the outside of it, I mean, it's just this really neat architectural feature, which baseball teams didn't really have at the time. Most of them were sort of ramshackle constructions. And um, Yankee Stadium really changed that. I mean, it was meant to look like an old Colise kind of the Coliseum idea behind it. And you look at photos of it when it was built before they um, completed the seats in the outfield, and you could really get a good sense of what the architectural design behind it was. And it was really interesting. And that stadium, of course, was the, uh, they used to call it the house that Ruth built, but that was not just a figure of speech. I mean, it truly was the demand for tickets to go see Babe Ruth play was phenomenal. They had to have a stadium that, you know, seated twice as much as other baseball stadiums at the time. And it, it's how popular the sport was getting. And, you know, the Tigers actually Tiger stadium, they had to do really the same thing when the team got really good and they, I think it was the 1936 or 37 world series. They, they constructed this temporary grandstand in the outfield that added like eight or 9,000 people um, capacity immediately. And that was the impetus behind completing the upper deck around the whole stadium because the, the, the team got so popular from that. Well, you, 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 sorry, you could feel the same, right. I mean, it, it's still around, right. But like uh, Wrigley field, it, it, you know, you got the, you go to the ticket windows and they're the old boards and everything is, you know, mm -hmm. fantastic about it. And like, I don't yeah. know, like that feeling, that nostalgia. And every time you walk into that stadium, you're just like, this is, this is what baseball was. Right. And all the way. I, I think I told you guys, I mentioned it, that the one time I went there in 2014. So I actually met two German fr friends. One guy I had met in uh, years earlier in, in Europe, actually, it's a long story, but anyways, he and his brother were taking a vacation in the United States and, they were big baseball fans are actually, I mean, I still keep in touch with them. And he, um, so he wanted to go to a Cubs game. They were going to be in Chicago. I said, great, you know, I'll buy tickets so we can sit together. And as luck would have it, you know, so my brother and I are there for the first time, we got there really early so we could walk around the whole stadium and everything. And it is, it was the feeling of walking into old tiger stadium is what it was yeah. just an incredible feeling. And so we meet my friend, his name is Tony and his brother and, we go and find our seats while sitting behind us were a family that um, half of them were from England. Cool. And so here we are at Wrigley Field, sort of the absolute epitome of an American experience and explaining baseball to two German guys who had been to a major league baseball game before. So they knew a little bit about the rules. Mm -hmm. And then a family sitting behind us where there was a, um, you know, half the, the clan were from England and listening to them comment on the game was 
absolutely priceless. My, my brother and I still laugh about this because the one guy says real quietly to his, you know, you figure out by listening to people talk. It, it, evidently, his daughter had married into the American family. So his son-in-law was the American side of it. And he says to his son-in-law, he says, now tell me again, <laughs> what is the umpire doing behind home? What do you call that? Home plate? Well, he's calling balls and strikes. Yes, I understand that, but it just seems so arbitrary. He waves his arm and something happens. <laughs> That's awesome. I just, it just seems so arbitrary. And my brother and I just started laughing when we heard that. We put our heads down so the guy wouldn't see us because I didn't want him, you know, to be embarrassed or whatever. And when we take sitting on the train back to, uh, to Lansing, then, couple of days later my brother and I were just laughing about that like yeah it does seem arbitrary doesn't it and sometimes in a bad way <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah. uh, when, when I when I umpired uh back in my prime days uh you know Dave, David can attest for it you know uh my, my first punch out was you know oh hey strike three you know type thing and then my punch outs just started becoming full-blown like because i knew this girl wasn't swinging so i'm like we have an opportunity to have fun here right and full full arm full there it is you know it's just did, did you go listen you also did naked god <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah i want to round back to this for a second uh i think part of the reason that we're going to call it New Kaminsky Park because I don't know what the hell the name is anymore, and they always name it. Something. It changes every year, right? Well, that, that, that's what I was going to say. So, like, you guys say, hey, why do they hate Kaminsky and all that? Well, so the area – now, it's – a year ago or whatever, it was – it's lower-rate field, right? So, lower-rate field. There's this big, <laughs> giant arrow that points down. Yeah. And, and, you know, lower. so like, – Right, and it's – The name. Um you know, everybody just makes fun of that because you're like, wow, you're a low rate, you know, you have, you have arrows yeah. pointing down. It just, That's it's a, so a, horrible. Yeah, so, somebody missed the, the um, bad marketing cue on it, that yeah. one. It was built in 90 because 90 was the last year old Kaminsky Park. And I think part of the reason it gets so much hate is during that same basic time frame, Oriel Park and Camden Yards was built. Yep. Jacobs Field, which is what now, Progressive Field. In Cleveland, yeah, both very beautiful ballparks. Yeah. And they threw that up for Kaminsky, which, you know, looks like any ballpark that might have been created in the 70s or 80s. Uh, I don't know. The outside of it, I think maybe it's because I can appreciate um, kind of abstract designs i when i and i've sat now i don't know how a, a few times on the train you know it always stops not far from there because you guys have to wait for a freight train before you get into you know where the train finally stops at union station and and on a train i mean that's not that far you know a few minutes so anyways i've sat there a few times and i look at it and i can i can see yeah you know if i'm going to put my mind in the mind of an architect from the 90s late 80s i can see where they put a modern quote unquote take on comiskey park it's got yeah. the same kind of uh it's you know partially brick and it has the same um partially arched windows yep. that go up and down the facade of it i think it's the inside of it mm -hmm. and i remember when it opened you know a huge ballpark and then you look out in the outfield and you've got like you know um you almost need an altitude mask if you're sitting on the 
the the seats at the very top of the outfield and you got this very steep angle and yeah that part of it just looks yeah i mean it doesn't look that great but mm-hmm. it's got to be a good place to actually watch a game in terms of the field of vision there if you're not sitting in the nosebleed seats anyways yeah i've, I've never seen a game there because uh ryan surf's been pretty adamant he doesn't want cubs fans so <laughs> I'll, I'll just go to wrigley <laughs> yeah well I bet the I bet you at the end of this season the White Sox have a better record than the Cubs. I hate oh, to they say definitely it, they will. Do. That team is stacked. Yep, and I and I really hate to say it because I bet you they're going to put a hurting on the Tigers when they play us. Who? Anybody got World Series predictions? Oh, Dodgers against somebody. Oh, yeah. Dodgers yeah. go away. No, I think so. I predict that every year. How about I, I, the Dodgers White Sox? That's mine. I'm going to go a little different. I'm going, to, I'm going to say the Padres and the Yankees, and I think the Padres can win it because they are stacked. They are stacked now. But those yeah. are, those two teams will fight it out, and whoever yep. wins mm-hmm. that one will probably make the series. Yeah, whoever comes out of the West is yeah. going to the World Series. And I mean, That's going to make it good again this year. I just yeah. don't think they're going to be good enough to beat. I mean, they'll destroy, I think, the, a- the AL East. But Yeah. Yeah, um, I think so, too, and they aren't going to have – Probably too I'd love to see the Rays there again. I don't think it's going to happen, but it'd be great to see them there again. Yeah, I know. I, I and I hate the Yankees. I mean, I, hey, I, I don't hate them. Make any any attempt to hide it. They're. I, I don't know. You know, we we talked earlier about you know, in a lot of stadiums, being kind to the visiting team fans or whatever. I think you see that because there's only really a couple of really heated rivalries in baseball with the biggest one, of course, being the Yankees and the Red Sox. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, I think that makes a big difference. You know, you can be a Detroit Tigers fan and go to a White Sox game and not be treated necessarily like crap because yeah. you know, even though there's a rivalry, it's not we hate you with a, the passion of a thousand burning suns. Yeah, and usually when one of those teams is good, the other's rotten. I yeah. mean, that's just the way it's worked out through the years. So, and you know, the thing about the rivalries too is, you know, it used to be that back in the, you know, before they added the, the third division into each league, it, yeah, the rivalries were a little bit different. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, the the Tigers and the Blue Jays, for example. Yeah, that was a pretty big rivalry. I mean, both the teams were good, and and. It's not far. I mean, you get your car in Detroit and be in Toronto in four hours if the traffic isn't too bad. So it it's uh it's a pretty good pretty good rivalry for a while there. And then the the way the schedule works now, it's it's changed those rivalries and it's too bad. I I think it's that you know it's a a fight not ever to have again because I think that ship left port long ago. But interleague play, I mean it fundamentally i think it was an interesting idea but it totally changed the way the world series what it means and then on top of that it took so many games out of the schedule that could have been playing like for example the tigers i mean they they now play the yankees two series yeah yeah i mean what's that i would agree i think interleague play was interesting when it started but it's gone too far yeah, it, it should have been. I don't like the All-Star game being a, the winner gets, I mean, I know they wanted it to be something that the players cared about, but I don't like it being the the winner gets home field advantage in the World Series. I think that's I stupid. Well, they got they did get rid of that the last well, couple did. of years. Okay. Yeah, they did. And, and 
Yeah, I mean the the thing is, is the the um, you know, the All Star Game. A lot of people don't remember what that was started for. That was actually kind of a charity game way back when. I mean, the, this is before players had retirements, and most of them didn't make much money. And if I remember right, the the money the players got to take, I think, more of the ticket gates out of that All Star Game back in the day when it was played, and they 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 had some fun for retired players that the money went into. Um, but yeah, I don't like them changing the rules like that. And the thing is, is people forget that when the national league, and the American league didn't ever play each other during the regular season, the world series was a unique game for that reason, because there was no chance that those teams to play each other during the season. Yeah. And there's a pretty low chance that any of the players had seen each other. And after they put the DH in the American league, you know, you had a real significant rule difference there too. I, and uh, some of these rules that they're trying to put into the game, I mean, I can understand some of them, but most of them are, I think, uh, uh, you know, a solution in search of a problem. This whole idea that, well, we need to speed the game up and we need to cut down on the amount of strikeouts. And, and now we've decided that there's too many home runs in the game or there's not enough home runs in the game. If it's a game that has too many strikeouts, we're going to tell the players that if you're going to do the shift, you got to have your tiptoes on the infield dirt I mean, these are all uh, non-existent problems, if you ask me, because number one, um, again, put Ted Williams up to the plate and have him face the shift. I mean, he'd love it. He'd, he'd oh. think it was like hitting off a tee, especially with some of the, you know, four inning starters that pitch nowadays. Mm -hmm. And then and then on top of that, I the, the idea that the game is too slow and and that you have to change these rules to turn it into something that's not. That's what concerns me. I don't. Well, I think that's why when I picked, a, you know, I picked Matthewson as one of my pitchers. I picked him because he was from an era where you pitched like every other day. You weren't given, you know, a reliever after, you know, four innings if you were having a bad game. You just kept pitching. Hold that thought for a second. So for anybody on Podbean, um, like, subscribe, share. We're going to finish up on Zoom here in a minute. We'll get this uploaded soon. Thank you for joining us on Podbean. Cool. They limit us to two hours. So. Okay, that's <laughs> I, fine. I, I had three seconds left before yeah. they cut me off. That's fine. I'm going to get going myself soon too. But I no, Mike, you're right. And you look at guys like, I mean, I hate to say it because he's been, <laughs> he's done some pretty bad things to people in life. But Denny McLean, okay? Yeah. <laughs> See what you like about his personal life, but my God, the guy won 30 games. And part of the reason why he did that is because he was in a four-man rotation. Yeah. And the amount of innings he pitched that year is also equally impressive. It used to be a guy had to really be getting pounded out there before they'd pull him. I mean, it was just, you're the pitcher. That's what you do. You, you pitch nine yeah. innings, maybe eight. If you're really getting lit up, they'll pull you. And a four-man rotation. And the argument that's been made that well you know a five-man rotation and having all these guys in the bullpen saves arms well if there was evidence of that great but you still you haven't seen guys careers lasting any longer no. pitchers i mean you haven't so right. if that's the point then thing, i think you'll never see it i mean you'll never see another 30 game winner with a five-man rotation i mean you might get a guy who blows away and has a great year and wins 25 but you're never going to get up to the 30 just because you're only getting what 35 starts a year at most yeah you're, no, you're never going to see I, a 300 game winner again either no no oh, and, and you know like this whole they're, they're bringing you know i mean 
dude, when did a middle relief pitcher start becoming a thing? So, I mean, now you're just, you know, hey, one-third of the game is you, one-third of the game, one-third of the game, and it's just, yeah, you know, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I mean, I'm sitting here looking at my – I mean, we look at the Tigers, right, and we had some of the greatest pitchers that have come through the Tigers. And then all of a sudden, you know, we, we get Phil Choke, right? And it's – so by the time you've, you've lost every fan in the world um, wow. because yeah. nobody wants to watch it because games on the line. Yeah, and I can think of like – I was listening to a spring training game, I think it was last weekend or two weekends ago, and they're talking about Matthew Boyd, about how, you know, it's a good thing that he'll be a five-inning starter. I'm like <laughs> – Five inning starters is a good thing, really. I mean, seven inning starter yeah. is a good thing. Yeah. Or how about an eight inning starter? And, well, yeah. and again, wow, imagine that. A guy I, who can throw 115 yeah. pitches, not a guy who can yep. throw 75 to 80. But yeah, and I RA in the 80s got you set down. Yep. Yeah. Now that would be okay. And I again, I understand that these guys are you know 20 million dollar arm on the field. You got to keep an eye on it. But when I watch a game, I'm always tempted to like morph into the television set go into the dugout grab the pitch count out of the pitching coach's hand and like throw it as far as i can and say guess what go out there and ask him or when he comes off the field after the seventh inning how's the arm feeling i see you're still throwing 100 miles an hour yeah good to go for another inning yes because how many times do you see them pull the guy because his pitch count reached 110 and you know then they put the you know, the, the middle reliever in <laughs> and sure enough, a two run lead turns into a three run deficit because the guy walked the first two batters he faced, which is almost always a recipe for disaster. You know, always made interesting is you admit around that sixth, seventh inning, you start making decisions of your pitcher based on if his batting turn was coming up in the lineup and where you were ah, in the game. Yep. That's right. And you didn't, you know, you pulled them if you were, you know, it was a close game or you were behind because you wanted to put that extra, you know, hitter in there at that point because you didn't want to, because, you know, unfortunately, most pitchers are, you know, not hitters, not hitters. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, see, that's well, in the yeah. National League rules, which is how the game should be played. Oh, I would that decision, oh. the rules of the game, the nature of the game kind of made that decision for the manager and. And now it's, you know, get your list out and it's like, you know, picking another guy to go wait on somebody at the counter in a store. Well, I think he'll be good at this. Put him in. And Reminds me of the uh, Practical Chokers episode where they're the optometrist and mm. dealing with the customer tagging in yep. different guys. Yeah. So. All right. Well, guys, I'm going to I'm going to head out. Myself, yep. I got a couple things I got to do. So we're gonna wrap it up too. Okay, been fun. It was good having you, David. Always yes, fun. Of course, absolutely. Seen David, oh. I haven't seen you in what probably twenty some years. Yeah, it's probably been that long, Mike. It is good seeing you. One of these days, this you know world will be back to we'll actually be able to meet in person. How cool yeah, would that be? Go, we should go see a baseball game. We should. Yeah, we should. We should. Hey, I've got my first. Uh, COVID vaccine dose on Monday afternoon. So. I, I got mine a couple of weeks ago and I got my second dose coming up in two weeks. Nice. Good for you. Good for you. So that's a good sign. Even if people like me are able to get it now. Um, yep. Hey, hopefully so, we'll be 
we'll be back to baseball games. Come over to Lansing. We'll go to Lodnuts. Right? Because of being a teacher? I don't know. I, I, they, the college told us to fill stuff out on the Ingham County Health Department website. And I, you know, I kind of made sure I didn't make it look like I was dying or an essential worker because I thought, yeah, oh, people like my mom need to get the vaccine more than I do. And I'm working from home. I mean, and I will be until well, the I tells Until my parents were both vaccinated, I really did try to use my essential worker status. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Because they needed it more than me. I mean, they're 70 some years old. And thankfully they got it. And now I think most of the people over the age of 60 that that wanted have gotten it. So yeah, I'm I'm on the list now on Monday afternoon. So good for me. All right, guys. Hey. I uh take care. Hey, be, yep. before you take off, David. Yeah. Uh real quick, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up. So everybody, I, I need you to like, subscribe, share. Um I want to give a huge shout out to Aylbird. Uh, great beer. Thank you so much for today's sponsor. Baseball has been fun. Uh, to all of our guests, David, thanks for joining us. Mike, thanks for coming to the uh, gotcha, of course. The, uh, the office there. And uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. You guys were right. closer. I'd be here a lot more often. Yeah. All right, everybody take care and we'll see you, all right, you next guys. time. You betcha. Be well. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.